You're in the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We have a truly, truly fascinating episode today where we bring on a real anthropologist, Dr. Jack Hunter, and we have a book called Engaging the Anomalous Collected Essays in Anthropology, the Paranormal Mediumship and Extraordinary Experience. And we're going to learn, I guess, more of a scientific approach to a lot of strange things that are going on in our world. And I'll give you an example here. The blurb we got from the publisher, Robbie Graham. Of course, he edited UFOs, reframing the debate. It says, Trends in Anthropology's Engagement with the Paranormal. The Anthropology and Neuroscience of Spirit Possession. And I want to talk more about that. The History of Spiritualism and the Phenomena of Physical Mediumship. The overlaps between mediumistic practices and other mind-body phenomena. Fascinating. Our guest co-host again is Gogs Mackay. How you doing, Gogs? Not too bad, Gene. Not too bad. The sun has been shining here, which is quite rare, and it's felt like Phoenix today, honestly. But a nice change. Tonight's topic is is right up my street because along with UFOs, uh, I love the idea of spirits, good and bad, communication with them, all that kind of stuff. I mean, I don't know exactly what I believe about that, you know, use of Ouija boards. or But I certainly do like the fact that there are some, very few, academic bodies who take parapsychology, you know, seriously. But they're very... What am I trying to say? They're very far between. Few and far between, that's it. Now, to remind our listeners, and Dr. Hunter will hear this, last week we had a, another fascinating discussion with Brent Rains where he talked about possibly making contact with the late John Keel. Hmm. Through a ghost box, yeah. So, Dr. Hunter, now we got you on here. We're going to put you in the thick of it. Yep. You've worked with a ghost box at all? I've never worked with the ghost box, no. Though I, I have heard about them. Do you know who John Keel was? I know who John Keel was, yeah, of course. Okay, so let me ask you a question here then, and then we'll get more into what's in the book. Have you encountered cases where something like this can be done? Where somebody that we know can be contacted so from beyond the grave, and it appears to be a genuine phenomenon? Well, I've never spoken with anyone that I know through a medium, but I have spoken to several different kinds of spirits through mediums. So we can put them on a kind of, on the same kind of playing field. And I would say that it's possible. Um, but yeah, be interested to hear more about it. You certainly hear of uh, media, people going to see uh, mediums and they're very careful to make sure that, that maybe they're an anonymous, there's no uh, history or information given about the person and stuff. And I, I know about cold reading and stuff, but you yeah. just hear occasional cases where they seem to latch on to just incredibly obscure information, private information. And just for my own satisfaction, one day I'd love to go and see, uh, you know, a re renowned uh, medium just to see if they do uh, what the hit rate's like for them. Yeah, that's it. Doris, whatever her name was, what was her name, do you remember? Doris Stokes. Yes, that's her, yeah. yeah. Long gone now, is she? Yeah, she is. I want to ask you here, how does an anthropologist get into this, or were you involved or interested in the paranormal before you began your academic studies? Yeah, I've been always been interested in the paranormal, really. 
going right back to when I was really young, uh, I used to be fascinated by like vampires and all of those kinds of things. I used to read books when I was young about UFOs and all those kind of Colin Wilson books about um, great unsolved mysteries and things like that. So I was always interested. And then I kind of, I started to see parallels between um, religion and the paranormal. So both the religion and the paranormal seem to be dealing with, um, you know, invisible spirits and miraculous events. So I I gradually became more and more interested in um, religious studies at school. And then when I got to university, or when, when it came to deciding what I was going to study at university, anthropology seemed like the, the obvious choice because it gave the opportunity to, uh, to explore uh, religious phenomena and paranormal phenomena from an, an academic perspective. Jack, can so, I ask how old you are? Uh, yeah, I'm 32. Yeah, 32. Oh, oh you're a young I know, actually, okay. I'm 31. Okay, it's okay. I was going to ask if you had heard of a certain magazine that I brought up last week, but you're p- probably uh, too young. I'm 44, so and I, it was young when it came out. Anyway, but but just because you're in the UK, I was going to ask it. It's part of the reason why I became interested in many uh, paranormal topics. It was uh, one of those magazines that would come out every uh, a collection come out weekly, and you'd build up a collection of them, you know, over you know six months or so. And it was called yeah. the Unexplained. Have you ever heard of it? I, I do know of it, yeah. I used to have a Excellent. few copies of it. Did you have the one with the free uh, record of the supposed kind of EVP, one of the flexi-discs? Wow, no, I didn't. Uh, you mentioned early on, Dr. Hunter, that you were reading about UFOs. Of course, this book seems decidedly different than anything related to UFOs. Or am I missing yeah. something? Well, I mean, the book doesn't deal with UFOs specifically, but it does deal with... Um, Entity encounters is, is how I would term it. So it's about how we interact with um, spirits and different kinds of entities. And actually, I think there's a lot of, of overlap between the kind of the UFO experience and the mediumship experience. And there's different kinds of ways that we engage with um, these other kinds of intelligences. So even though it doesn't, it doesn't touch on UFOs specifically, I think um, it would be of use to people who are interested in UFOs to get that kind of extra perspective on it, really. Abductions, out-of-body experiences, sleep paralysis, near-death experiences, there's huge overlap in all these kind of things. And that's why I I refuse to kind of see ufology and studies of ghosts or whatever as kind of separate things. I think they're all connected somehow at some kind of source for sure. Yeah, definitely. And coming back to John Keel, of course, that was his kind of angle on things as well, isn't it? Well, we also hear quite a bit about a unified field theory, and this is something that one of our other guest co-hosts, Michael Allen, has talked about and written about in our forums about this relationship. And then another person that you might have heard of, a guy named Miguel, who goes by the name of Red Pill Junkie, and he wrote a really excellent article for our newsletter talking about the relationship between near-death experiences and abductions yeah. so of course the perception dr hunter the surface perception and we all know that surface perceptions don't always come to be the surface perception is that abductions are encounters with alien beings beings from other planets star systems etc but when we start getting into a connection with near-death experiences where is that taking us that's a good question the way i seem to 
moving towards thinking about these things is that, like I was saying before, it's all about how we communicate with different kinds of intelligences. So in near-death experiences, we, it appears as though people are communicating with their deceased loved ones. Of course, we can't really be, we, you know, we can't be 100% sure that they are, they are actually their, their loved ones, but it's, you know, that's what they report. And then in UFO abductions, alien abductions, they're communicating with these uh, supposedly extraterrestrial intelligences. And again, we can't be 100% certain that they are actually extraterrestrial intelligences. And then people like, um, you know, John Keel and, and others suggested that maybe the uh, UFO noughts were like, um, what do they call them? Like ultra-terrestrials. That mm. their intelligences or um, minds or different, different modes of being that have always existed on the Earth. So I think we're dealing with a similar kind of thing, and it's very difficult to, when you start to really think about it, it's very difficult to, to draw a neat line between them. You'll get used to it soon, Dr. Hunter, but every 8 to 10 to 12 minutes, we have to do a break, take a piece of business, and then we'll be back. And we have a lot of fascinating things to talk about. Dr. Jack Hunter is here. Our guest co-host is Gogs Mackay. You're in the parapsychological cast. We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy. We've got like, I guess, 60 or so different items and entails T-shirts, sleeves for notebook computers, iPad cases, mouse pads, the Paracast jumbo tote bag, all sorts of T-shirts and jackets and stuff like that for men and women. We have a Paracast aluminum water bottle. All this stuff, you go to store.theparacast.com, store.theparacast.com. What makes it special is that the items are the best quality, you know, great T-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special in multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children, stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the Paracast. You go to store.theparacast.com, stop by, and take a shopping tour. Were you born before the year 1956? If so, did you know you could be collecting between $575 and $2,200 in tax-free income right now? All thanks to the FHA. Or what about this? Did you know 54 U.S. congressmen have used a special tax-free account to earn up to 35 times more on their money? It's true, and you can do it too. These are just two of the secrets revealed inside a stunning new book from the Palm Beach Research Group and Ted Benna, the man behind the 401k. You'll discover the 18 best cash cows that can help you earn up to an extra $6,800 a month. If you're at or near retirement, this book is a must read. Today, you can get your very own free copy of Ted Benna's new book. Shipping and handling charges apply. Get your copy of Ted Benna's book when you text Benna to 79000. Text B-E- ENNA to 79000. Text Benna to 79000 now. Fellow Patriots, my name is Todd Savage, founder of BlackRifleRealEstate.com. Like you, I was a prisoner of the alt left sanctuary state until one day I chose to lead my family to freedom. Today we live on a sustainable 20 acre homestead where we shoot, hunt, garden, and homeschool our children without the tyranny of the nanny state looking over us. If you're ready to flee the city to the freedom of Idaho or Montana, 
our Black Rifle Real Estate team is here to help. Go to BlackRifleRealEstate.com. That's BlackRifleRealEstate.com. Over the last four years, three of the biggest online precious metals dealers have gone bankrupt and their owners put in prison due to theft and fraud. Having previously purchased precious metals, can you be sure you purchased the right product? Did you receive proper advice? Or were you stung by one of these companies? Miles Franklin has been in business for 29 years without receiving any material customer or regulatory complaints ever. Maintaining an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating and residing in Minnesota, the only state in America that regulates the precious metals industry, making doing business in precious metals with Miles Franklin the safest choice, bar none. Call us at 866-485-4346 and let us review your portfolio at no commitment whatsoever. Again, that's 866-485-4346. Get the peace of mind you deserve in working with a precious metals company with a reputation like Miles Franklin. Again, that's 866-485-4346. Miles Franklin Precious Metals, the name you can trust. You've seen crazy diets to lose weight. At GCN Team, our healthy body weight loss system simply neutrifies the body, bringing down cravings. It has been proven that nutritional deficiencies drive appetite for carbs, sugars, and fats. Lose weight the easy way. Find us at GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Fighting cravings is a fool's game. Give the body what it needs to be satisfied. Again, 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. The Parapsychological Cast. Maybe we'll have a second show like that. I don't know. I think we've done so much with UFOs. Dr. Jack Hunter is with us. And he's got this fascinating book, Engaging the Anomalous, which is a bunch of essays. And yeah. it's not a big book. It's like 235, 250 pages, whatever it is. Yep. It's, got, it's a quick read. It's not super yep. small type. It's a quick read. I think you'll enjoy it. A lot of different viewpoints to explore. We're going into here the experience involving apparent space aliens and the near-death experiences and stuff like that. So when someone thinks... Dr. Hunter, that they are in touch with the Zeta reticulans or whatever they are. Yeah. Is that something they believe or perceive or something these entities are telling them? What's going on? Mm, that's a good question as well. When we look at the paranormal from an anthropological perspective, we start to notice a few different things. The first thing that we start to notice is that there are um, common features of paranormal experiences all over the world. So it doesn't matter where you, you know, where you interview people, you talk to someone in China, you talk to someone in, in America, and you talk to someone in the middle of Wales, they'll talk about similar kinds of things. So they might talk about um, like luminous entities or you know, in near-death experiences, you hear about the tunnel and all those kinds of things. There seem to be common core features. And then the other thing that you notice when you start to look at it from an anthropological perspective is that culture and belief also seem to have some kind of an influence. So we seem to be dealing with something that kind of changes the way it presents itself to us according to our own beliefs and expectations. So when you ask a question like that, there is no simple answer. There's no simple way of determining whether it is something that is 100% independent and objective 
or whether it is um, something that is influenced and molded by our own beliefs and expectations. So actually, I think the, the truth of the matter is that we're dealing with something that's in between out there and in here, if that makes any sense. So, so Jack, I, I believe, I, I imagine you're aware of Dr. Rick Strassman and his studies involving dimethyltryptamine uh, DMT. Yeah. Yep. Have you looked much into the, this whole relationship between DMT, this naturally occurring substance, which is in the, our bodies and in plants in very small quantities? But I've heard that sometimes in extreme events, such as a near-death experience or out-of-body experience, maybe sometimes the pineal gland or whatever can produce more of it. And it, it's, in a way, some of these experiences may be a mini kind of trip. Yeah. What do you think about that? I think it's a really interesting idea. My colleague, Dr. David Luke, is, is really the guy to talk to about DMT research. So I advise you try and get him on the show at some point to talk about it because that's his kind of main area. But I certainly think it's interesting to consider that there might be underlying kind of neurochemical and neurophysiological changes that enable us to make contact with these other kinds of minds. I suppose there's two ways to look at it. Some people, the scientific person may just say, well, it's just an experience of the drug, that's it, of being under the influence. Whereas some others may think that the chemical unlocks the experience. So there is yeah. something out with, you know, the chemical and the physical. Is there anywhere? Who's the name of that researcher? Is it uh, Professor Susan Greenwood or something? Oh, yeah. Yeah, does she... It, Am I right in thinking she looks at these, these kind of things in, in neuro, neuroscience? Yeah, well, her main interest was in um, the near-death experience and explaining uh -huh. the near-death experience um, in terms of um, hypoxia. So with the idea that we have near-death experiences when our brain is kind of starved of oxygen. But we've got the classic problem of distinguishing between um, causation and correlation. Yeah. So just because a lack of oxygen is correlated with the experience of um, meeting your dead loved ones or traveling down a tunnel of light doesn't necessarily mean that that's what's caused it. And like you were saying before, and, and actually this is kind of the way that I think about it as well, is that these specific neurophysiological states are um, a part of the overall process of making contact with these other, other worlds. So yeah, I think that they are they're, they're like the necessary preconditions for having these kinds of experiences. Not to say that it's created by those preconditions, but that the preconditions kind of enable the experience. I believe I read once that um, a, a mummy, obviously from Egypt, was uh, tested by one of the world's foremost uh, forensic toxicologists. I think it was a professor from Germany, a woman, and uh, she found traces of uh, cocaine and nicotine, mm -hmm. uh, and these substances, tobacco and the coca uh, plant, only come from, only originate from the Americas, South America, uh, and there supposedly was there weren't wasn't any uh, transatlantic trade going on back then. This is like five thousand years old, but this seems to be kind of proof positive that it was, mm -hmm. um, and it's I find it interesting that. All around the world, at various times, different cultures have, uh, you know, taken not necessarily drugs, but they've 
maybe gone through ritual drumming, chanting, sweat lodges or something, but people seem to always have had the need to try and commune with the higher and get into altered states. Yeah, I mean, altered states of consciousness, like we were saying before, when we, when we look at the cross-culturally at the paranormal, altered states of consciousness is something that comes up time and time again. And it doesn't matter whether we're talking about um, altered states that are draw, brawn, brought about through drug consumption or altered states that are brought about through hyperstimulation or sensory deprivation or whatever. What seems to be required is some kind of a shift in consciousness. Yeah. I mean, you know, you do hear stories of people experiencing paranormal phenomena in perfectly you know, normal waking consciousness, but much more frequently, there is some kind of an altered state involved, even if it's not deliberately induced. So sometimes an altered state, you hear about the Oz effect and things like that. Yes. That's a lot like an altered state of consciousness that seems to be um, induced externally or something is, um, there's something out there that causes that state of consciousness. The silence of the Oz effect, you know, no birds or no insects making noises, that that, that fasces me. What do you think uh, might maybe the reason why the study, the academic study of parapsychology has gone right out of favour, uh, if it ever was fully in favour, but it seems to be pretty frowned upon. How, how do you feel if you're at some conference that has, uh, the conference attendees are not necessarily in the same field as you, how do you feel about introducing yourself to others and saying, oh, I, I've studied this? Do you ever sort of think, oh, they're kind of looking down their nose yeah, you, you have to kind of get used to that, I think, and then just kind of plow on with it. Because um, if, if you went to a conference and every time you were there, you felt ashamed of the research that you'd done, then you're never going to make any progress. Yeah, yeah, kind of, so you have to make yourself almost immune to that kind of yeah. conduct, or you can just do what I do, which is, yeah, I'm crazy, so live with it. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Jack Hunter, Gogs Mackay, I'm Gene Steinberg. More to come on, should be called, The Greatest Paranormal Show on Earth. You're in the podcast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. We all have heard about the benefits of fish oils. But what about the presence of heavy metals, PCBs, dioxins, furans, and other contaminants found in fatty tissues of fish? GCNteam.com recognizes this risk and offers IFOS certified tested omega-3 fatty acids. EPA, DHA insist on IFOS omega-3 fatty acid certification. Get the best at GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. This is Fred. Uh, hi, I'm Fred. Fred's a repeater. I tend to repeat. Fred has a business. I do have a business. And a problem. Fred repeats the same tired advertising over and over, and now it doesn't work. Over and over. But Fred is about to see a vision. I'm seeing a vision. Advertising on the Genesis Communications Network is the smart way for Fred to reach his potential customers with the most affordable national advertising rates, period. Get started today with GCN, the Genesis Communications Network. Just email advertise at GCNlive.com. For USA Radio News, I'm Wendy King. 
residents along the northern Gulf Coast from New Orleans to the Florida Panhandle are under a tropical storm watch. Alberto, a subtropical storm, is churning north from just east of Cozumel, Mexico. Danielle Ellis is a reporter for WECP-TV in Panama City. Daily conference calls between emergency operations, the National Weather Service, and the Hurricane Center will keep everyone alert if the storm develops. Governor Scott held a press conference letting the public know important information. We've already moved some high water vehicles up uh, to the panhandle uh, from Fish and Wildlife. Uh, We're standing up with all the agencies to make sure everybody's prepared to make sure that if we have uh, this fair weather that everybody's going to be taken care of. The storm is expected to make landfall sometime on Memorial Day. You're listening to USA Radio News. Hi, Wyatt Cox Classic Radio Theater. I used to watch people check into motels with pillows. I used to say, why? They've got pillows there. Aren't they good enough? Now I know they weren't good enough because I have my pillow. And I take mine with me everywhere I go anytime I'm spending a night. Uh, Why? It stays cool all night. You don't have to wake up in the middle of the night, flip the cool side of the pillow keeps its shape all night long 60-day money-back guarantee you don't like it send it back a 10-year warranty have you got a pillow that comes with a 10-year warranty nope and you can put a my pillow in the washer dryer it's like new again try doing that with your dollar store pillow you end up with a washer or dryer full of feathers and it's made in the USA. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the four-pack special, enter promo code USA. You get two MyPillow premium pillows, two go-anywhere pillows for half price. MyPillow.com. Use promo code USA or call 1-800-951-8175. It's been said, any society is only three missed meals away from chaos. Those times may be near. Think about it. Our country faces multiple terrorist threats and aggressions from Russia and North Korea. Social unrest and violent marches yet again may lead to looting of stores and city shutdowns. And our crumbling infrastructure leaves our power grid vulnerable to long-term outages from a single cyber attack. When the chaos from any one of these threats arises, the government knows it can't provide during a widespread national emergency. That's why you need your own plan for self-reliance. That's where My Patriot Supply comes in. Get a four-week survival food supply for only $99. That includes breakfast, lunches, and dinners. Order online at preparewithgcn.com. $99 for four weeks of survival food that tastes like homemade cooking and lasts up to 25 years from My Patriot Supply. Get your kits today at preparewithgcn.com. Free shipping is included. Preparewithgcn.com. Hi, this is Bryce Abel. I'm the producer of Dark Skies, the co-author of AD After Disclosure, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. We'll have Jack do that maybe if he wants to lower himself. We've got Dr. Jack Hunter, and we're covering all sorts of connections with the paranormal. And the obvious first question hits me, talking about this theoretically real phenomena being in altered states of consciousness, which I did in some degree when I was much, 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 much younger. Dr. Hunter, have you ever had what we'd call a paranormal experience? Yeah, I've had, um, I suppose I've had quite a few paranormal experiences of different kinds of varieties. Nothing particularly um, extravagant. I've never, well, actually, I think I have seen the UFO, but I've never had like a 
a full-on abduction experience or anything. One of the most interesting ones while we're talking about um, altered states of consciousness was the very first time that I ever took magic mushrooms, psilocybin mushrooms, I had an experience of what I took at the time to be uh, fairies, which was a really important experience for me in my kind of development and my interest in all of these kinds of things. Oh, I should probably mention that these fairies were kind of like two-dimensional, which was uh, an interesting feature. You mean they, like seeing a comic book? Well, they were in the grain of um, a chest of drawers that had a drawer hanging out of it. And they were kind of in a procession along the grain of the wood. And they kind of turned, um, you know, however you can turn in two dimensions, they turned and looked at me and they kind of clocked me. And then they carried on with their procession. Surely these are the ones that Sir Arthur Conan Doyle must have seen. <laughs> Probably, yeah. You know, that experience obviously uh, drove home the, the relationship between altered states of consciousness and um, paranormal experiences. Another connection between altered states and paranormal experiences I've had is during um, hypnagogic and hypnopompic state. So when you're kind of waking up and falling asleep. And um, at the at one time when I was kind of most heavily involved with my fieldwork uh, with uh, mediums at the Bristol Spirit Lodge, I had these weird hypnagogic experiences where I would wake up and see these um, kind of like green three-dimensional uh, figures standing above my bed. One of them was like a, a, a floating green goat's head, which was particularly interesting. And then perhaps was it my frightening? most it wasn't frightening. It was more intriguing. Okay. Yeah. And then my most um, extravagant experience was actually during one of the seances at the Bristol Spirit Lodge on a day when um, the medium wasn't able to attend for whatever reason. So they decided that they were going to do um, an open development sitting and kind of invite spirits to let themselves uh, be known through anyone else who was in the room. So we all kind of went into a, a quiet relaxation. They put some music on, they turned the red light up in the seance room, and we just kind of relaxed into it. And I thought this was a nice opportunity to meditate and, you know, enjoy myself a little bit. So I closed my eyes, I put my arms uh, down on the side of the chair, and I just kind of relaxed. And then after a while, I started to feel um, tingling in my hands, and more so in my left hand. I, I'm right-handed, so the fact that it was happening in my left hand was was you know, a bit odd to me. Um, I started to feel this tingling and then suddenly my hand started to move of its own accord, or it seemed to, it felt as though it was moving of its own accord anyway. And I felt myself kind of slipping backwards out through the, the back of my body, um, kind of like a, a mini outer body experience, really. And interestingly, the only other time that I've had that kind of uh, sensation of slipping out, out my body was... Um, taking a hit of salvia divinorum oh yeah which is a yeah very strange um psychoactive yeah. plant and uh yeah so there's again this link between different kinds of altered states of consciousness and then different kinds of paranormal experiences anyway going back to the mediumship at the height of my uh mini outer body experience my hand was kind of going my left hand was going wild and moving around in the room and it really freaked me out as you can probably imagine so I snapped myself out of it and um, I looked around the room and basically the circle leader was, uh, you know, laughing at me because, uh, you know, she, she knew what was going on. She had an inkling that these kinds of experiences happen when you start to begin 
developing mediumship. And I was shocked, but I decided that I had to kind of go with it and try again. So I went back into my meditation and then the whole thing happened again much quicker this time. Uh, but it didn't progress to anything more than just my left hand moving around uh, seemingly of its own accord. And then I kind of returned back to my normal consciousness. It did happen what, again another time, but yeah. What, what I was going to uh, bring up when you, Jack, when you're, when you're talking about having to get used to perhaps maybe the the views of uh, other academics um, when revealing what it is you're interested in. Um, but I was thinking that even the, the kind of most strictest, uh, most ardent, um, sceptical scientists of no interest of this kind of thing, it kind of makes me laugh really that, you know, I guarantee that they've been to funerals or weddings and stuff like that, and they'll they'll happily sit and listen to readings from the Bible and stuff, which I always say is the most paranormal book there is, yeah. is the Bible. And you know, they they, they many um, scientists, eminent scientists, have no problem admitting that they have religious beliefs themselves. Mm. So I find it a bit kind of funny, a bit two faced for them to look down their nose at the study of uh, the weird and the wonderful, whilst at the same time uh, admitting that they maybe they're they're a Christian or whatever. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with being a Christian or religious or whatever, but you know, it, it, religion is the paranormal, uh, uh, you know, to a great degree. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, definitely. There is, there's a, a strange distinction. So religion is the paranormal, but it's, um, it's kind of like, I like to think of it as the paranormal um, domesticated. So it's been, um, it's been stripped of its wildness and it's been um, kind of squeezed into a kind of rigid framework. It sounds uh, like so it's think- homogenized and pasteurized by yeah. a group of people to make it warm and fuzzy for everybody. Yeah, exactly. Here's another one. Uh, when uh, when people are in court and stuff like that, when you're in court and giving evidence, you know, you can't just uh, state hearsay, oh, oh, my friend says, uh, da, 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 this. That's not evidence. And um, But at the same time, when you swear to give the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth, you're swearing on a book that is purely faith-based. Yep. So yeah. that, that's a bit weird as well. But Jack, you were saying of the this few paranormal experiences you've had, you did say you may have had a UFO sighting. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Because we love, oh, yeah. love UFOs in the podcast. Well, it was funny because um, it was this one night when me and my friend were um, at home and we were just kind of you know chilling out and relaxing. And then there was a power cut. And I thought to myself, this would be the perfect time to go out um, to take the car out and drive up into the mountains because there'd be no streetlights on anywhere. Yeah. Um, it'll be perfectly pitch black. And, you, you know, we'll be able to see if there's anything, you know, anything weird going on because we know yeah. there's no electricity. No light pollution, yeah. No light pollution. It was pitch darkness. So we got in the car and we drove up into the Berwyn Mountains, which are the yeah. mountains nearby to where we are here. And incidentally, um, there was supposedly a, a UFO crash in the Berwyn Mountains in the 1970s. I think very it's probably famous been, case, yeah. It's a very famous case, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I grew up just at the bottom of the mountains there, so it's kind oh, of my wow. local area. So we drove up to the mountains and then we parked in a lay-by 
and we got out of the car and just had a look around and we were looking down into the valley below and we saw um like a woodland it was all pitch dark there and uh, a light started to come out of it so we could see that none of the house lights were on anywhere that we could see down to the village that the street lights were still off but then there was this bright light in the woods and it seemed to be moving towards us so we just kind of ran away <laughs> we didn't want to get involved in it but that was my kind of what i think possibly was a ufo experience or someone with a torch we got more to I've- come with dr jack hunter and gene and Goggs. you're in the podcast <laughs> Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Water is the single most important thing your body needs, so you want to be sure it's the best for you and your family. Since 2005, thousands have depended on Berkey Purified Water. The Berkey Guy provides the lowest price filtration systems in every size. For incredibly delicious water now and in an emergency, get to GoBerkey.com or call 877-886-3653. 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com. Healthcare reform is confusing. With the loss of the Obamacare mandate, those needing help can now choose an affordable alternative. By joining Liberty HealthShare, you're part of a community of health-conscious Americans all over the country who control their own healthcare costs and choices. Liberty HealthShare is not insurance. It is an association of self-pay patients who unite with like-minded people to share the cost of their medical needs. Neighbor helping neighbor. Learn more now by going to libertyoncall.org. That's libertyoncall.org. Hunters, anglers, campers, and survivalists. Get back to nature. Expand your horizons with the highest quality, most versatile, unique slingshots and sling bows on the market at slingbow.com. Slingbow products are compact and models start from just $17.98. They're perfect for your bug out bag or storing in your vehicle. Give yourself and your loved ones the excitement and tradition of Slingbow, a new frontier in archery and truly modern twist on this primitive survival tool. Feel the thrill only at slingbow.com. Normal blood pressure, naturally. How would that make you feel? I'm Don from New Mexico. Uh, January of 2000, I had a heart attack. Uh, Then my real health began going downhill. I had high blood pressure, diabetes, poor vision. I wasn't sleeping well. I was a mess. Don reports dramatic improvements with heart and body extract. 
started taking heart and body extract from within a few days, I started sleeping better. My blood pressure normalized. My diabetes normalized. My sleep improved. Experience these benefits and more when your body heals itself with the assistance of heart and body extract. Order at hbextract.com or call 866-295-5305. That's hbextract.com or call 866-295-5305. And folks, I did not expect this at all. By the seventh, eighth, and ninth day, I saw dramatic improvements from taking heart and body extract. Heart and body extract comes with a 100% ironclad money bag guarantee. Details at hbextract.com or call 866-295-5305 for heart and body extract. Homemakers. Groceries by mail ships free. Try our amazing bacon. It stores in your pantry. No refrigeration required. Our value-added packaging provides a 10-year shelf life and protects the leanest, thickest, center-cut, fully-cooked bacon in America today. Ready to eat right from the pouch or warm and serve. Always price less than grocery for your everyday use. Savory and delicious. Order today at readytoeatbacon.com. Readytoeatbacon.com. Hi, it's Grant Cameron from PresidentialUFO.com. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Now, just looking at the ratio here, you're in your early 30s now, Dr. Hunter. I take it that you were in your 20s and 30s when all this was going on. It wasn't anything from your teen years or younger. Not really, no, yeah, it's more my 20s, yeah. Okay, because you're. About the same age group as my son. So all you young whippersnappers getting involved in this. I wanted to ask you something here in general. Since you are a young whippersnapper and Goggs is a less young whippersnapper and I'm age and old and all that stuff. Do you see more or less interest in the paranormal these days among younger people? Because when you, when you go to conventions, especially UFO conventions, they have old fossils like me mostly in attendance. That's interesting, yeah. My engagement with um, paranormal research has been predominantly um, academic, so in, in universities and different kinds of places like that. And I have noticed amongst younger scholars a more kind of an openness to investigating these kinds of things. I don't know particularly why that, why that is. Maybe it's because the, the kind of old guard of um, the skeptics are, are kind of starting to die away or Gene, younger people consume their interest in the paranormal a different way. It's all done through the internet and stuff like that. So just because they, they maybe don't uh, turn up to conferences and buy paperbacks or whatever, but maybe they're out there, but they're just watching YouTube and, you know, going to websites. So it's different now. Uh, so it may look like there's no young blood coming in, but maybe there is, but it's just in different places and ways. Different contexts, yeah. Yes. I definitely think on the internet that there is a big paranormal scene. But, I mean, we're talking about something that's really big and really diverse and includes everything from, like, you know, the more kind of, like, new age kind of stuff right the way through to... Well, in yeah. the last 15 years, how many new, like, ghost hunting shows and UFO shows? Um, there's, you know, for, as far as I can see, there's been an almost explosion. Like in the 90s, say, when it was mostly terrestrial TV or if you had satellite, um, there'd be the odd UFO series or something, but not many. But these days, you can't move for ghost and UFO shows on digital TV and stuff. 
I mean, it's, it's uh, something that is perennially fascinating to people, I think. People are interested in it. And it's a really, actually, I use the, I use the paranormal a lot in my um, teaching because I, I find that everyone has an opinion on it. It doesn't matter whether you believe in it or if you're an ardent skeptic or whatever, everyone has an opinion. Yeah. So it's a really good icebreaker in, in classrooms to, to start off a conversation about the paranormal and you'll get everyone uh, chipping in with their, you know, their two pence about, yeah. about uh, what paranormal is and whether it's real or not. Maybe a lot of people have a built-in interest in the subject, but they are, shall we say, reluctant to admit that interest. Although nowadays, what I see more is when I explain to people I do a show like this, because I do a second show, The Tech Night Out Live, which is strictly consumer electronics and such. I don't see people saying, oh, this guy is weird. I mean, they can say that anyway, but not in connection with this. Yeah. So maybe yeah, we it- are kind of, reaching a different audience we haven't sensed yeah we could well be and another another aspect that plays into it is um you know people don't talk about it unless the the subject comes up you know it's a big issue like if if no one talks about it then no one's going to talk about it but if you have someone like a teacher or some or a lecturer or whatever who's willing to open up that conversation and get the ball rolling that's when people start to come out and talk about their own experiences and their own beliefs and feelings and ideas. If all three of us were to just uh, pick 10 friends uh, or even distant family members at random and just say, oh, have you ever had a really weird thing happen to you, whatever, and the the number of people will actually open up and, and have some kind of strange experience that they never usually talk about or anything because no one asks them. But it's amazing how many people out there that you know and you don't know that they've had a weird experience. Yeah, exactly. That's it. I mean, I got a good example with my, um, my auntie, who, when I started to research mediumship, and, and I was talking about the paranormal a lot more, um, I'd never really talked about it with her before. But she was someone who had been involved with computers for a long time, and she's a very rational and a logical person. And she told me these two amazing um, kind of like ghost stories that, or ghost experiences that she'd had. One where she saw a place where she used to work, um, a mug levitating and turning upside down and landing on a table. And the second story she told me was um, about when her husband died and she had a a kind of like a a vision or an apparition of him after his funeral kind of coming to say goodbye to her. Goodbye, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is, you know, a very, very common experience, really. Yeah, there's a term for that. There's a certain term for these uh, last visitation things. Mm. I can't remember off by... Uh, and just along the same vein, like my, like my mother is from the uh, the largest of the Western Isles uh, in Scotland, the Outer Hebrides, a place called Lewis. That side of my family are very, very uh, religious, free church of Scotland. You know, no shop, TV on a Sunday kind of thing. You know, everyone says grace at the table, church twice a week and stuff. Great people, but, you know, very religious. But I couldn't believe that when I did start asking these things, I actually found out my own grandfather had two really strange paranormal experiences. And he is the last person on earth I would have ever thought. One involved him being overtaken by a car. This is on a country road, so there's not much traffic anyway. Overtaken by a car, which then disappeared, Mm -hmm. and a ghost car, and apparently 
one week later, there was a crash at that point, which was really strange. And then another time is he was down in what they call the Macher there, which is basically like a kind of a links area, you know, not developed um, near the sea, that kind of hard grass and stuff you get near beaches and dunes. And somebody watched a full, like, 19th century uh, funeral procession. There's no roads there or anything, but there was a, a ghost horse-drawn carriage, coffin, mourners and all that going towards this now disused cemetery. Like, there's a newer one now. You know, there's absolutely no chance that this were this was people recreating something or whatever. And this was uh, during the day as well. And this, this is from extremely sober people who do not drink, you know, do not take drugs, don't even smoke, do not swear. And, you know, if I had not asked, it would never have been offered to me that information. So I always wonder about all the people I haven't asked yet. There must be a wealth of really interesting stories out there from people there we is, know. There is. Yeah, there definitely is. And people just don't like to talk about it because of the stigma that's attached to it. They don't people yeah. don't want to be called crazy. They don't want to yeah. they don't want people to think, you know, that they, they're weak minded or anything like that. So Yeah. The funny thing is whenever I bring up my one kind of apparition sighting it was two of us saw it so i've i always say i don't know if it's the spirit of a dead person but we saw this and it went round a corner and disappeared but funnily enough i i find that if you're quite confident in your telling of it whether people believe it or not nobody has a problem with it but i suppose if you come across as being really timid about even mentioning this or something maybe people will think you're a bit kooky because you they sense that you're not very sure about it yourself whereas if you're saying well i saw this i don't know if it's paranormal or not but this happened da 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 but i've never had a negative reaction thus far no that's it yeah that comes back to what we were saying about presenting at academic conferences and things you have to be willing to present these aspects of your own uh, experience that they're a, a fundamental part of our understanding of ourselves and of our relationship to the to the rest of the world and if we can't talk about the experiences that we have in life, then, you know, something's gone seriously wrong somewhere. I think the human mind and society in general has got the most amazing capacity for ignoring things which should be uh, huge questions at the forefront of their minds. I mean, mm. really, I cannot believe that it should be on the six o'clock news every single night. Uh, so running the story said, how is it these 1,000 ton blocks were quarried and moved at Baalbek in Lebanon. You know, mm. it's just not talked about, but you couldn't move these things with today's cranes and stuff. And, and you think if this was supposed to have been done a couple of thousand years ago, you know, this is, it's insane, difficult mysteries. And yeah. most people haven't even heard of them. Without a doubt, um, if it might not be active censorship, but it's certainly passive censorship. You know, if you've read uh, Michael Cremo's Forbidden Archaeology, mm. if even 1% of what he writes in, the, in there is true, it's just stunning for what it does to a historical timeline. We'll have more of that in our next segment with Jack, Gene, Goggs. You're in the Paracast. <laughs> You are listening to GCN. 
Visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill a minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Hey folks, Tom D. for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Now you have a chance to change that by signing up free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. People who are interested in the strange, the unusual, ghosts, zombies, UFOs, crop circles, and more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you, people who seek a little more than the other dating services offer. You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com, and if you decide you like it and you want to connect with others, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. So many people want to share their experiences with the paranormal, the afterlife, the unusual, and this is the place to meet and share common interests with those of like minds. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com. That's ParanormalDate.com. Use the code word GEORGE and start meeting others. Get going now and connect with someone you like. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Gongs, I wanted to ask you more about that particular book, Forbidden Archaeology. Yeah. Okay, Gogs. Um, we wanted to talk about that. Are you familiar with it, Dr. Hunter? I've heard of it. I haven't read it, but I have heard of it, yeah. Gogs, give us a brief summary. Well, basically, uh, Michael Cremo has researched this uh, very, very detailed book in, in which he cites instances of uh, archaeological discoveries and findings that seem to have been kind of ignored deliberately. Uh, things like, uh, you'll have heard of UPARTS, which is yep. an acronym for out-of-place artefacts. A very simple example would be the Antikythera mechanism, which was a kind of uh, a cross between a, a sundial and a sextant, with something that had cogs and gears, and it was some kind of astronomical clock or something like that. But as far as to history is taught in high school today, there's no way that the ancient Greeks should have had the precision engineering skills and knowledge to have created such a thing. I mean, there are a lot of parts of it missing, but they're, now they're starting to think it's actually almost kind of like a, a mechanical computer. But far, far even weirder than that, there's lots of instances of like miners digging down and then stumbling across pre-dug tunnels 
of fantastic quality that must have been there, according to the rock strata above and below, millions of years ago. There's lots of artefacts have been found inside coal seams, and mm. there is no real scientific explanation as to how something from you know, the current day or 500 years ago can end up right embedded inside stone that's half a billion years old. You know, we date things in antiquity if we can with organic material and we can carbon date them, but it's very difficult to date stone alone. You can't. But when you get some kind of organic matter, you can take a kind of guess. And obviously, archaeology is based around the fact that if you find certain things in certain geographical strata, you can roughly date these things to, to that strata. But there's thousands, thousands of examples of really strange things that seem to indicate either intelligent humans have been on the go much, much longer than is taught now, or some other intelligence was uh, around doing certain things. So basically, Forbidden Archaeology is exactly what the title is. It's the mainstream academia in terms of archaeology are wantonly ignoring lots and lots of facts and discoveries because many people in power, well, not power, but it's just saying academics who have a good reputation that was built on this work and that work and they've published this and they're respected. Well, if somebody comes along with one thing that absolutely throws a spanner in the works, that they, that they may have said, okay, so I date this particular civilization between 7,000 and 6,500 BC or whatever, and then somebody comes up with something that completely blows out of the water, this person who will have a lot of uh, sway in their respective uh, institution, they will not necessarily get this uh, research banned, but they'll certainly not try to publicise it or give it any kind of... Uh, publicity or help yeah. along the way at all. It's uh, I can't remember the term that Cremo uses. It's not a censorship, but it, he has a term for it where basically things are just not supported and they're left to kind of just go by the wayside. There are many instances of this, because basically in the West we have a timeline that's this out of Africa thing, various humanoids, then we did this, we did this, and then circa 8,000 years ago, whatever, we started to form, you know, do farming, and we started maybe to have banking, da-da-da-da-da. But there are so many objects and artefacts around the world that obviously show that we were doing incredible things much, 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 much earlier. It really brings to mind the work of Charles Fort, which is, I found, particularly yeah influential and his idea of um, damned facts my last book was called damned facts it was kind of like a 14 approach to religious studies yeah this idea that there are these phenomena these experiences and then these strange objects and things that science really doesn't know what to do with them and the best it can come up with is to kind of bracket them out and ignore them so uh, yeah really interesting stuff there are all these uh, stone circle kind of things all over southern Africa. Absolutely hundreds of thousands of these things. And archaeologists these days, they will try to say that they were some kind of, uh, you know, cattle 
pens or something, which is just insane because the amount of work that was gone into building them, you wouldn't do that. Plus, there are other like functional problems with them that just make them completely unsuitable for the supposed stated purpose. And these things also are, there were so many of them that supposedly there were uh, not that many people living in this south part of Af the continent of Africa 10, 15, 20,000 years ago. There, weren't, there wasn't that much of a population then. Yeah. Who built all these things? You know, there was like hundreds and hundreds of thousands of them. There are so many contradictions, but, you know, there are so many examples of strange things like um, maybe, uh, let's say, for instance, at large salt deposits or lots of seashells deposits up high on mountains where yeah. you think, well, how did that get there? And that, you know, in, in South America and things like that. But for me, just simply just take the largest of uh, quarried blocks and tell me, get me, get me the, the foremost uh, stonemason, uh, civil engineer, architects, whatever, and just get them over to Lebanon, get them to tell us how were these things quarried and how were they moved. Simple as that, but it is completely ignored. It's completely yeah. ignored. Most people don't even know that these conundrums exist. Mm. Yeah, no, I think it's time that we started to face up to some of these mysteries and really, you know, think about them seriously for a change instead of... Uh, Stephen Bassett of ufology, Ufol well, he calls it a truth embargo. I'll go with that. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> sounds about right. Yeah. Uh, what are your main interests in terms of uh, uh, anthropologically speaking? My main interest, anthropologically speaking, yeah, would be at the moment it's shifting away from spirit mediumship, which I'm still interested in spirit mediumship, obviously, but I'm moving towards thinking about how we relate to our kind of environment, how we relate to um, ecology and the relationships that exist between different kinds of organisms um, in our environment and ourselves. It's kind of the, the, the direction that I'm heading in now. But I see that the, the, a lot of really important connections between the work I've done in the paranormal and the work that I'm starting to do in thinking about ecology. This um, is animism you're talking about. This is about, animism I'm talking about. Yes, yeah, yes. yeah. I don't know if you know much about animism. I was going to ask, yes, please, but I was going to ask you, are you aware of the, the, the I, I, on Radio 4 over in the UK, it, it's a non-music station, you know, for the kind of intellectual, I suppose, but I, I listen to Radio 4, and if you know Jim Al-Khalili, he yeah. hosts a programme called The Life Scientific every week. Mm -hmm. He interviews, you know, notable scientists, someone he had on recently, um, they... they the person was going on about their research into how um, trees and other plants are communicating with each other yep. through fungus and fungi and stuff. And it was insane. It was almost like one tree can warn another one that was part of its family that this is going to happen and they can choose to share resources or not and the yeah. communication is and now you know in the in the 80s and stuff people used to laugh at prince charles because he would talk to plants and stuff and now i'm starting to think he might have been onto something we're onto something too we got to do this brick we don't talk to plants here 
but maybe we'll get a better response than sometimes we get from humans. Yes. With Dr. Hunter, Gogs and Gene, you're in the podcast. Neighbors, we've made such a deal with HelloFresh, and it means that everyone listening to this show can receive $30 off your first week of deliveries when you go to HelloFresh.com and use the offer code PARACAST30. You know, with HelloFresh, you can choose the delivery day that works best for you. They've got a wide variety of chef-curated recipes that change weekly. And can you imagine me cooking Japanese panko chicken. It makes me feel like I'm a chef. It means also that you could actually get your meal cooked in 30 minutes. For busy people, this is perfect. The simple recipes include step-by-step instructions so even I can figure it out. Go to HelloFresh.com, use the offer code PARACAST30 to get $30 off your first week of deliveries. HelloFresh.com. Stocks and options trading involves financial risk and is not suitable for all investors. Fire your stockbroker and hire yourself. I'm Scott Bauer, and I've been a professional trader for over 25 years. I've traded for Goldman Sachs and was the first Amazon market maker at the Chicago Board Options Exchange. I'm also the CEO here at Prosper Trading Academy, the leading educational firm teaching people how to trade the markets. For a limited time, I'm giving away one of my favorite secret trading techniques used by thousands of our students every day to help build their financial future. To learn this technique right now, call my 24-7 voicemail and just leave your email address. I'll email you my free trading technique right away. Just call 1-800-228-2155. This is the very information my students use every day to invest in their financial future. Again, Call 1-800-228-2155 in the next 30 minutes and leave your email address on my voicemail. That's 1-800-228-2155. Call 1-800-228-2155. You have been lied to. Generation after generation, time after time after time. If you follow the money, then you understand why America's in the condition it's in. Now, you created the Star Reserve in 1913 through lies. You create 9-11, through 9-11, then you're fighting a war on terror, and now all of a sudden you go into Iraq, which was another lie. This book will open people's eyes. Order now at killingunclesambook.com. Killingunclesambook.com. How well and how fast does heart and body extract work to improve blood circulation? Listen. My name is Ellis, and I'm 66 years old, and I live in Jacksonville, Florida. Two years ago, I was diagnosed as having clogged arteries. I had 70% blockage in one artery leading to my heart. They wanted me to go on Plavix, but I refused, knowing the negative side effects. Heart and Body Extract is a unique balance, synergy, and proportion of herbs reaching from head to toe at maximum absorption around 95% at the cellular level. Within the first month, I felt a dramatic difference. The heaviness in my legs was reduced, and within two months, I felt completely normal. Your natural organic herbal formula for heart health is Heart and Body Extract. Heart and Body Extract comes with a 100% ironclad money-back guarantee. Details at hbextract.com or call 866-295-5305 for Heart and Body Extract. Call 866-295-5305. 866-295-5305 for Heart and Body Extract. 
Water is the single most important thing your body needs, so you want to be sure it's the best for you and your family. Since 2005, thousands have depended on Berkey Purified Water. The Berkey Guy provides the lowest price filtration systems in every size. For incredibly delicious water now and in an emergency, get to GoBerkey.com or call 877-886-3653. 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Gogs Mackay is our guest co-host. The book from Dr. Jack Hunter and published by Robbie Graham is Engaging the Anomalous Collected Essays. On anthropology, the paranormal, mediumship, an extraordinary experience. And we notice here you have an introduction or forward from trickster theorist George Hansen, who's been on the Paracast. How'd you happen to select him? Well, I've been in touch with George for quite a long time, actually. I can't remember who initiated the conversation originally, but um, George has been a big supporter of my work since, uh, basically, since I started you know, publicly talking about my research into the paranormal. When I read, first read George's book, The Tricks from the Paranormal, uh, my mind was blown because here he was kind of laying out all of these connections between anthropology and the paranormal. So he's he was a clever a really, guy, yeah. He's a very clever guy. And yeah. um, he was a big influence on me. And then over the years, we've kind of stayed in touch with each other. Uh, like I said, he's always been very supportive. And I've tried to promote his book as often as I can as well, because I think it's a really important book that more anthropologists should read. I know a lot of Jack, parapsychologists are interested in it, but anthropologists Jack, should read it too. Jack, yeah. you were going to um, explain animism? Oh, yes. Because many of our listeners may not be aware of what, what that is. Yeah, so um, animism is the belief in, well, the original definition of animism, because animism itself is an anthropological term, it was developed by a guy called Sir E. B. Tyler, who was um, he was the first chair in anthropology at Oxford University. So, you know, there's a good case for saying that he was the first anthropologist, and he coined this term animism to refer to the belief in spiritual beings, and he understood the belief in spiritual beings to be the most fundamental and the most basic definition of religion. So he was saying that if we look at all of the world religions, you know, from high Christianity right down to um, the kind of uh, indigenous tribal religions, what we see is belief in spiritual beings. Okay. So yeah. a part of Tyler's theory of animism was that what he called primitive people were basically misinterpreting otherwise normal experiences like dreaming and sleep and other kinds of experiences like that as evidence of non-physical uh, spirit. So the, the earliest form of animism as an anthropological category was kind of um, is kind of problematic because it comes with all of these assumptions about the uh, about the people who believe in spirits. Okay, so it's saying that they are kind of primitive or that they they don't know what they're talking yeah. about. Yeah, it doesn't give them much credit, does it? No, it doesn't exactly. But that was a part of his whole plan because he was interested in trying to kind of discredit the the major religions discredit Christianity and things. And basically what he was saying was that 
Christianity is exactly the same as so-called primitive religions. But as anthropologists started to move out of libraries and actually go into the field and do research themselves, this is what ethnography is. It's field research in anthropology, and it's the main kind of research tool in anthropology. Anthropologists started to realize that animism wasn't just a belief in spirits, but it, it was actually a whole other way of, um, of living in the world. And more recently, we've had this idea of the new animism emerging, which is an understanding of animism, not just as a belief in spiritual beings, but as um, a whole kind of worldview, or I would use the term an ontology, based around um, the idea of relationships between persons. In an animistic society, for example, persons as a category would include other kinds of things, not necessarily human things. So you could have um, rock persons and tree persons, animal persons and plant persons, and then obviously spirit persons as well. So anthropology is now coming around to the idea that animism is all about relationships, uh, relationships between ourselves and our societies, and then other than human persons. And this is where, again, this connection between the paranormal and our relationship to ecology starts to come in. Because if you look at the paranormal as a whole and think about things like going all the way from like UFOs and aliens to Bigfoot and ghosts and stuff, what we're really talking about is a universe that's populated by countless different kinds of minds and different kinds of intelligences. What we have in paranormal experiences are instances of communication between these different kinds of minds. So if we take the paranormal as a whole, what we end up with really is, is an animist worldview, that there are these other minds in the world and that we can interact and relate with them. So it, the kind of the crossovers between this animistic perspective, the paranormal, and then our relationship with ecology, which is actually at the moment in the Western world is kind of like a pretty bad relationship. We're destroying all of our uh, ecosystems. We're losing all of our different... Uh, kinds of plant and animal diversity. So what I'm thinking is that perhaps through re-engaging with this animistic worldview, we might be able to sort out our our bad relationship with the uh, with our ecology and build something new and interesting. Dr. Hunter, let me just throw this in here. Oh, yep. right. One of the messages, a common message received from so-called entities, they could be space people or one of the things we hear is the admonition, we've got to get our acts together, stop war. We need to follow the edicts of peace and all that. Is that something that these spiritualists, contactees, whatever, are making up? Or are these entities really concerned so much that they have to give these warnings? Yeah. Well, again, we're coming back to the question of what these entities actually are. I mean, um, we know like John Mack's work with uh, um, UFOs, for example, he picked up on this kind of ecological angle there, that a lot, of the, a lot of abductees and contactees come back from their experiences with a renewed interest in ecology. So I think there's, there's, you know, there's, if we take this animistic perspective into, into consideration and the more broader anthropological view as well, We've got to ask whether these entities that people are interacting with are actually extraterrestrials or whether there may be some way that the maybe that the Earth is trying to communicate with us in some way um, or whether these are kind of like uh, going down a, like a Jacques Vallée kind of route. But maybe these are like elemental Earth spirits or fairies or whatever we want to call them. 
trying to reinitiate this communication that we've lost, you know, over the last, you know, at least 500 odd years. So, yeah, I think there is a connection there and that maybe we need to start, we need to possibly stop thinking about these beings as extraterrestrials and maybe think of them as like earth nature spirits or something like that. Other kinds of um, intelligences, other kinds of minds that are indigenous to this planet. So basically, maybe our planet is warning us to stop harming it. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, definitely. Now, what Uh, do you think about this here? About the fact that we have this large group of people who will tell you that UFOs must be physical alien spaceships. And they look at this other phenomena that we've been talking about, near-death experiences, interactions with other beings. Well, maybe it's a fantasy, or if it's an abduction, we're meeting E.T. Let's continue that discussion in our next segment with Gene, Goggs, and Jack. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. It's a no-brainer. A Big Berkey water filter is the one you need, period. You need a water filter that removes chlorine, fluoride, pharmaceuticals, BPA, and other endocrine disruptors, pesticides, bacteria, viruses, and much more, right? And does it all at only two cents per gallon. Get the original and most trusted name in gravity water filtration, Big Berkey. And now GCN listeners receive 5% off ceramic filter systems using code GCN. Call or click 1-877-99-BERKEY or BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. That's 1-877-99-BERKEY. This is Dan Pillard. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement and I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpillard.com. For USA Radio News, I'm Wendy King. Hi, this is great. <laughs> Tears and hugs on Capitol Hill in the office of Utah Senator Orrin Hatch as Joshua Holt is reunited with his family. The Mormon missionary had been in a Venezuelan prison for nearly two years until he was suddenly released after lots of appeals from U.S. officials. Here's Holt speaking with the president at the Oval Office. I'm just overwhelmed with gratitude for you guys, for everything that you've done, for the support of my wife through those two years. They were very, very, very difficult two years. Not not really the, the great vacation that I was looking for, but but we're still together. Starting off a marriage rough, but now we're going to be together. You're listening to USA Radio News. For some reason, being unpatriotic has become a trend as a way to protest perceived injustices in our country. But true patriots understand that America stands for liberty and justice for all. Standing for the flag and our national anthem is a sign of respect for the liberties and freedoms fought for by millions who made the ultimate sacrifice for this great nation. 
If you stand for the flag and kneel before the cross, show your position through apparel and merchandise from the Patriot Depot. Patriot Depot has hats, shirts, mugs, books, and other articles that show our beliefs in the First and Second Amendments. Go to PatriotDepot.com now and enter code USA at checkout. Find novelties, bumper stickers, clothing, flags, books, and more. PatriotDepot.com merchandise allows true patriots to express their opinions. Check it out right now. PatriotDepot.com. PatriotDepot.com. And enter code USA at checkout. Interested in trading as a way to generate extra monthly income? Listen up. Before you sign up for some garbage program or awkward in-person seminar, you really need to hear about the online trader program that everyone's talking about. This is the program that allows you to get your account funded with someone else's money. That's right. Apiary Fund will gladly put up to $100,000 of their money into your trading account. And the best part? You get to keep 85% of the profits without putting in a dime of your own money. Apiary Fund and this program are growing like crazy. If you're looking for a way to generate extra income every month and finally learn how to win trades like the pros, just call 800-342-2968. Leave your email address on our voicemail and we will send you all the exciting details of how to trade Apiary Funds money and not your own. Call 800-342-2968. And again, just leave your email on our voicemail to get your free report on how you can trade someone else's money. Call 800-342-2968. That's 800-342-2968. This is Jacques Vallée. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. We're returning with Dr. Jack Hunter, Gene Steinberg, and guest co-host Gogs Mackay. And we're exploring his book of essays, Engaging the Anomalous. And we have, of course, this group of UFO researchers I was mentioning, very large group, probably most of them thinking UFOs are physical spaceships, interactions with beings or physical interactions with beings. And even then, they appear to give the same admonition and like that. And what bothers me here, and I wanted to mention this, is that like the largest UFO organization in America, MUFON, when they ask people who have seen UFOs what happened, they treat UFOs as an external event. Oh, you saw a plane. You saw a car speeding. You saw a car in an accident. You saw a UFO. It's the same thing. They see something external. And they don't ask about family experiences. Have you ever seen any other kinds of phenomena? What about Bigfoot? What about ghosts? What about any of this stuff? And when I asked their director, a fellow named Jan Harzan, why don't you ask those questions? And he said, well, we'll enter the information if they volunteer it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I don't want to get you involved in a dispute over a MUFON or its research methods. But okay. do you think at all that uh, taking that approach, focusing on UFOs as a separate individual phenomenon, is really getting to the core? No, I don't think that is really getting to the core at all. I think, again, this comes back to what we were talking about before. It's, it's only when you start, when you actually ask people about, you know, these more, these weirder kind of paranormal experiences that they will talk about it. Um, you're not going to get people reporting these weirder aspects of the UFO phenomenon if the UFO research organizations are not asking about it. 
um, even if they have those experiences or those part, those elements of experience as a part of their experience, they're not going to talk about it unless they get asked. So I can't see why uh, UFO research organizations would be, you know, would think that that was a suitable kind of research methodology. You want to be exploring all the possibilities. And again, this comes this comes back to an idea that I've been that I've written about in in this book, engaging the anomalous. This idea of um, ontological flooding. Um, which is my way of thinking about a, a, a method of approaching paranormal research that's open to multiple um, simultaneous theories um, all at the same time. So instead of, uh, instead of hoping that we're going to be able to find one really simple explanation, we should be open to the possibility that there are lots of different processes and lots of different factors going on all at the same time. So there's not going to be a simple explanation. Actually, there's going to be a very complex uh, explanation at the end of the day so yeah i think uh, i think mufon should start asking some different questions well of course they won't listen to us i've been talking about that for ages suggesting oh, yeah. that they do something more expansive and the worst that's going to happen when you ask these questions the worst that's going to happen is there'll be no more information yeah i mean people have been Little saying man. this for a long time haven't they we've got you know, Jacques Vallée and John Keel are two prime examples of, of researchers who've been trying to push that more expansive view of the UFO phenomenon, but still, for whatever reason, and I think it's something to do with wanting to appear scientific and respectable and rooted in the hard sciences, that whole fairy realm is kind of ignored, which is a real shame. Remember, Gene, MUFON is basically consists of people who are pretty much ETH at heart, and they're not overly interested in overlap with other weird things because they, they really only want to highlight uh, data and experiences that confirm what they already think, i.e. structured craft controlled by intelligent beings from another solar system and you know anything that flies in the face of that and maybe you know that merges bigfoot and uh, seances and past life regression and da 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 and hypnotism and all these things they're not interested because that detracts from because you've got to remember that I think many of these people, although they won't state it outright, and I have sympathy with them, but in a way, ufology is their kind of religion. And the holy grail for them is maybe the, the, the hope that one day they may get a ride on board a, an air, a, I mean, a craft, a spacecraft, or they may meet an actual alien. And the blinkers are on for that. That's their ultimate aim. They know yeah. that the chances are very slim. But when you start bringing in other weird stuff uh, and that it may all overlap and have the same uh, origins, then it basically, if they start to understand that, they start to think, well, maybe there aren't these uh, space beings for me to meet and there isn't going to be some great end of close encounters of the third kind ship landing mm. and I might get a chance to go off and do this and in a way it is disappointing because I'm one of those people I would love for a big spacecraft to come here and have the chance to go away for a few years yeah. and exchange astronaut. I would love to do that, you know, but mm. I don't think it's going to happen and for some, a bit like religion, it 
it's hope, uh, they have faith, but that's all they've got and they just don't want to dilute it with uh, other craziness. Yeah, it's true. The question I have here is how many of those people really are only looking for ET and don't simply regard the rest of it as something separate? In other words, it's not they don't care about ghosts or near-death experiences or whatever. It's that they're admonished or taught by MUFON that UFOs are Category A, UFOs are in Virginia, and ghosts are in California, and Bigfoot is in Pennsylvania. They're three separate types of phenomena. Never the twain shall meet. It's not they're not interested or haven't experienced it. It's just that they're tutored in this point of view, and this is what MUFON evangelizes, except when they're not trying to look at time travelers. <laughs> yeah, this kind of tendency to ignore the connections between different areas is a, is a big problem. It's not just in, um, it's not just in ufology, uh, it's, it's everywhere. I mean, parapsychologists, for example, they don't like to talk about UFOs. Um, people who are interested, and this is where, where I'm coming from at the moment, people who are interested in the paranormal are not necessarily interested in ecology. Um, they seem like two completely separate things, but actually when you start to think about it, the connection is really, really strong and really pertinent. And that actually there might be things that we can learn from the research that we do in parapsychology, research that we do in um, you know, like mediumship research and things like that, that might help us to, to build a better relationship with our, uh, with our planet and our environment. But people don't see the connection. So part of my job has been, you know, over the past few years is to show that there is this connection. First of all, to show that there's a connection between parapsychology and anthropology and all of these other um, kind of paranormal themes. And now to, sh- to show that there's also a connection with this wider perspective of interconnected ecological systems and the way that our planet functions and all of these kinds of things. People are not looking for connections and that's the problem. Jack, where do you think, uh, I have a hard time myself factoring in this idea of good and evil when it comes to spirits, mediums, UFOs. There's often, when we were talking earlier on about some of these contactees, the, the, the beings have a message of impending ecological doom and that, you know, we must get our act together and da, 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 da. There seems to be the doomsayers. And also in in seances or people using Ouija boards or ghost boxes, whatever, you seem to get, you know, very, very negative entities that only seem to wish us harm and to confuse us and befuddle us. Uh, it yeah. seems to be in every every kind of aspect of the paranormal, there's a good side and a bad side. And mm. where does this originate? Because uh, you you wouldn't you weren't here, obviously. But last week we were having a discussion. Gogs, Doctor Hunter, Gene, you're in the podcast. for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. 
They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Want revenge on the common housefly? Well, after 10,000 years, someone has finally come up with a better way. The Bug Assault, a miniaturized shotgun, which utilizes ordinary table salt as ammunition. Non-toxic and no batteries required. So much fun, you'll forget you have a wife and kids. $39.95 and free economy shipping. Use discount code GCN and get an extra 10% off your purchase at BugAssault.com. Fire your fly swatter. Get your Bug Assault today. Fellow patriots, my name is Todd Savage, founder of BlackRifleRealEstate.com. Like you, I was a prisoner of the alt-left sanctuary state until one day I chose to lead my family to freedom. Today we live on a sustainable 20-acre homestead where we shoot, hunt, garden, and homeschool our children without the tyranny of the nanny state looking over us. If you're ready to flee the city to the freedom of Idaho or Montana, our Black Rifle Real Estate team is here to help. Go to BlackRifleRealEstate.com. That's BlackRifleRealEstate.com. Healthcare reform is confusing, but whether it's finding an affordable insurance plan, keeping your doctor, or being able to afford needed prescriptions, navigating the healthcare system has become a challenge. Control your own healthcare costs and choices with Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare is not insurance. It is an association of self-pay patients who unite with like-minded people to share the cost of each other's medical needs. Neighbor helping neighbor. Learn more now by going to libertyoncall.org. That's libertyoncall.org. Warning. If you're drowning in debt you can't afford, do not let the credit card companies trick you into thinking that you have to pay it all back, because you don't. What the credit card companies don't want you to know is that there's actually a way to get debt-free without paying off your entire debt or going bankrupt. If you have $5,000 or more in credit card debt, you now have the right to let us settle that debt for a fraction of what you owe. For free information, call Credit Associates now. 1-800-959-5759. We'll even show you how much money you could save. If you can't afford to pay off all your debt, do not let the credit card companies trick you into thinking that you have to. Call Credit Associates now for free information on how to get debt-free faster than you ever thought possible without debt consolidation or bankruptcy. We depend on your success and offer a guarantee, so there's no risk. For free information, call now. 1-800-959-5759. That's 1-800-959-5759. 1-800-959-5759. Most of you know that heart disease is the number one silent killer in the U.S. What if I told you for just $54.95 a month you could fight against heart disease naturally? At Heart and Body Extract, we've been helping thousands of people get back to a healthier heart. Don't just take my word for it. Check out all of the success stories at hbextract.com or to order call 866-295-5305 that's 866-295-5305 hbextract.com don't risk it when you can take charge of it
Hey, this is Marie D. Jones, the author of This Book is from the Future, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. So Goggs was busy framing a huge, humongous, did I say big, question. Goggs Mackay, pick up on your question to Dr. Hunter. Yes, it was. I just wanted uh, what Jack's take is on this whole idea of uh, good and evil. Because uh, let, let me bring in as well, Jack. Are you aware of uh, a, a book Nick Redfern wrote? And in in the uh, I believe the eighties and nineties, there were some people high up in the the U.S. government uh, who were pretty religious, but they had they were and they were nicknamed the Collins elite, and they were very of the mind that alien beings were demonic entities mm-hmm. and just how various uh, over history you know uh, evil beings have had many guises like you know vampires and and uh, spring-heeled jack and da 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 and the, the modern ufo age and gray aliens or whatever are, are just the latest incarnation of evil entities taking physical form what's your take on this whole duality good and bad side of all these things yeah it's a really big interesting question i mean i don't think i have a definitive answer for you but the thing that immediately pops into my mind is that we don't understand um what these what these other kinds of minds are like we don't understand their their ways of thinking um we don't know what their motivations are it's very difficult to say whether you know, they, they are good or evil. And actually, you know, it's very difficult to say whether a, a, an individual human being is good or evil. We all have aspects of ourselves that, you know, there are bad aspects of ourselves and good aspects of ourselves. I think really it comes down to this idea that we need to do more trying to get into the kind of the mind of the paranormal or get into the mind of whatever this other intelligence is. And think about it. And I think that's where anthropology comes in, because anthropologists have predominantly worked with with human minds and trying to understand human minds. But now anthropology is moving towards focusing on thinking about different kinds of persons, different kinds of intelligences, thinking about, for example, how trees think and things like that. We need more research in that direction. I don't think we're going to be able to, I'm not going to be able to tell you now whether the UFO noughts are good or evil. But what I will say is that we need to do more research and find out about the way that they think. And, uh, yeah, we need to do a kind of, I don't know what the, what would be like, a, yeah, extraterrestrial anthropology or yeah. animistic do, do anthropology. Have, do you mind me asking, do you have any religious beliefs of your own? Not particularly religious beliefs, although I am. I usually say that I, te- I try not to believe in anything because, you know, I go with like, Robert Anton Wilson and those kinds of guys who say that, you know, belief is the enemy. <laughs> Once we are rigidly stuck in a belief system, then we're in a belief system. And my, my whole approach has been to kind of step outside of belief systems and try and focus on what we can experience firsthand. So, yeah, uh, no, I'm not, I'm not religious, although sometimes I think of myself as an animist. Sometimes I think of myself as a pagan. Sometimes when I'm really kind of stressed out, I might recite the Lord's Prayer in my mind. But, you know, <laughs> that I, I take elements of religion and, and use them. 
Um, but I definitely, I wouldn't consider myself to be religious. I'm also a religious education teacher, <laughs> trained right, religious okay, education yeah, teacher. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I'm open to the to the all of these possibilities. I, I, I mean, no offence, but I always found the RE teachers at school to be, they were quite kind of, not hippies, but they were quite laid back and open-minded people, I, I have to yeah. say. It's a subject that attracts those kinds of people, I think. So it's a really yeah. interesting subject, and it's very different to. I don't think they have any kind of um, school-based religious education in America, um, but in the UK we have this kind of like a um, non-dogmatic approach to to learning about religion, where you learn about a whole range of different faiths. And one of the things that I've tried to do in my religious education teaching, and I've I've written a couple of um, articles about it, is to focus in on the, the paranormal um, and anomalous experiences and kind of unorth unorthodox beliefs because like i was saying before it's a really good icebreaker it gets kids talking and thinking about these different kinds of ideas and also again there are all of these um crossovers between the paranormal and uh, religion one thing that i did with students once we had to do a lesson about um thinking about the nature of god or the god of classical theism and i started the lesson off um, by getting the students to talk about UFOs and write down their thoughts and ideas about the nature of UFOs. It was a really, really interesting activity, and we got lots of different perspectives. Some of the perspectives, you know, were like, yeah, UFOs are aliens from other worlds. Um, others came back with really kind of like um, John Keel-esque comments about, you know, whether UFOs are just something else in disguise and things like that. But it was a really good springboard for then getting the students to think about those more classic kind of religious education subjects like, you know, what is the nature of God? What are the nature of spirits and things like that? Let me drop something in here. One of my late relatives on my wife's side of the family, he believed that UFOs were demonic. And I read a novel where they basically speak an incantation or something, some secret incantation to get rid of the ufos why is there that sort of belief where have you encountered it so why is there why is there belief that we can have incantations that affect ufos or the fact that ufos are demonic well i mean there's a lot of reasons why people might think of ufos as demonic one obvious reason is that people often have negative experiences, you know, especially aboard UFOs. We are talking about abductions and all of the kind of invasive procedures that seem to take place there. So there's that angle of it. There's an experiential reason for why people might consider UFOs to be demonic. And then there's also the belief-based reason why people might consider UFOs to be demonic. You know, it's simply the fact that in the mainstream Abrahamic religions, so we're talking about Christianity, Judaism, and, um, and Islam. There is this binary distinction between good and evil, and anything that, any kind of um, the, the supernatural, or the, the, like I was saying, the undomesticated supernatural, um, UFOs and ghosts and things, are uh, considered to be kind of like um, anathema. They're things that we don't want to touch, we don't want to get involved with that because we want to stay on this pure kind of path. Um, and again, this isn't capturing the full essence of what these experiences really are. We're, we're either relying on our own experience or we're relying on our belief, and both of those can kind of, kind of present us with a distorted view. I don't know whether, and 
coming back to this idea, we don't know whether this other intelligence is good or evil, or whether its way of thinking is, you know, beyond those kinds of categories. We just don't know, and we need to do more research. We need to do more conceptual research. I think thinking about those issues. Well, I guess here you can maybe even assume that UFOs are whatever you think they are, and whatever you expect. I'm thinking of the mirror phenomenon that John、mm. Keel often talks about. Yeah, but that's it. But that said, as well, there isn't this. Is still an element of、um, UFOs are not always what we expect them to be. They do possess elements that we expect, and our beliefs do play a role in that. But then there's also always the unexpected as well. So, which I think goes to this idea of、um, that we are kind of co-creating the paranormal. That there is something external, but it, it arises through our participation and interaction with it. We both bring something、um, to the experience. What do you think about the theories about this paranormal phenomena in ancient times in the Bible being related to so-called ancient astronauts? That goes back to the physical UFOs. That ET would came down; they somehow interacted with us, and as a result, all sorts of fascinating things happen. I'll have to answer that question in our next segment. I want to tell everybody about the Paracast Plus. We haven't mentioned it. We've been remiss in not mentioning the Paracast Plus. Go to plus dot the Paracast dot com plus dot the Paracast dot com. We offer a version of this show without the network ads, the After the Paracast podcast, where you never know what's going to happen next, and I don't either, and our guests don't. We just go in there, and magic happens. There's something happens, and we can let you decide whether that's magical, mystical. Plus dot the Paracast dot com for more information with Doctor Hunter, Professor McCoy. He's not Professor. And Gene, you're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy. We've got like I guess sixty or so different items, and entails T-shirts, sleeves for notebook computers, iPad cases, mouse pads, the Paracast jumbo tote bag, all sorts of T-shirts and jackets and stuff like that for men and women. We have. A Paracast aluminum water bottle. All this stuff. You go to store dot theparacast dot com. Store dot theparacast dot com. What makes it special is that the items are the best quality. You know, great T-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special. In multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children, stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the Paracast. You go to store dot theparacast dot com. Stop by and take a shopping tour. Have you heard the warning from the dead doctors don't lie guy? I'm talking about Dr. Joel Wallach. He says if you have a four inch medical chart, if you take prescription drugs for high cholesterol or high blood pressure, 
arthritis, joint pains, or other health issues, the medical profession is failing you. They're using you for an ATM machine. That's what he says. He has a free lecture revealing what pharmaceutical companies don't want you to know. There's been groundbreaking research and discoveries on how to effectively treat or eliminate over 900 different diseases naturally. And it's all in his free lecture called Deadly Recipe. You want it free? Call him toll-free at 855-79-YOUNG. You ready? 855-79-YOUNG. Dr. Joel Wallach, the dead doctors don't lie guy, says there's no reason why we shouldn't live to be at least 100 and have a great time getting there. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Back long, long time ago, the late Long John Nebel, the famous talk show host, said that he's a professor of ignorance. We all are. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's where it works. So what do you think about ancient astronauts, Dr. Hunter? Well, that's a, it's an interesting, whole other interesting area to think about. I mean, I'm open to the possibility that we have been visited in the past by ancient astronauts, like physical nuts and bolts UFOs. But I tend to think that the kinds of experiences that people more often than not have is, again, it's more subtle than that. So when we think about maybe ancient uh, encounters with ancient aliens or stuff in, in, in the Bible or other kinds of ancient texts, that we're really talking about experiences um, in consciousness, if that makes sense. That we're not necessarily talking about physical um, UFOs coming down, that the, the kind of accounts that we find in the Bible, say in um, Ezekiel, for example, with his famous yeah. experience, that this is a, an experience that's been brought about through an altered state of consciousness of some sort. Not to say that the angels weren't actually there, just that they were perhaps not physically there in the sense of like a nuts and bolts UFO. I definitely think there's, there's a real possibility that we have been interacted with, you know, throughout our, our history, um, interacted with by uh, these other kinds of intelligences. Definitely, yeah. I love how Terence McKenna actually cited uh, hallucinogenics as possibly an agent of evolution, an agent of change, because I can fully uh, believe that um, earlier man that uh, maybe accidentally, uh, you know, ingested psilocybin and stuff. And having done that myself a number of times, I know that it just forces your brain to make strange out-of-the-box connections that you never normally would. And mm -hmm. it, it, it must have made people, uh, for instance, maybe it was the first time somebody ever thought, hmm, if I put some gut and string it across the end of this very bendy, strong wood, could I use it to propel a projectile? You know, just, yeah. just anything like that whether it was um, deliberate or not initially, I truly, truly believe that uh, psychedelic uh, plants 
whether there's a God who put them on earth for that purpose or it just so happened that we discovered that. But I definitely think people have had real out-of-the-box thinking experiences due to that. And it may very well have accelerated our evolution intellectually to, you know, to a degree. I was going to ask you, Jack, about to tell us more about the the, the anthropology of neuroscience of possession. Uh, are we talking spirit possession? Uh, you know, i.e., this person is supposedly possessed by an entity. Yeah. So uh, yeah. I'll make an important distinction. We talk about spirit possession, and under that label, we include all sorts of things. We include, you know, the, the kind of negative spirit possession that we usually think of, like you know, like in The Exorcist and stuff like that. But we also yeah. include deliberate um, spirit possession, so spirit mediumship. So it's the terminology in anthropology is a little bit vaguer than the terminology in kind of like parapsychology and in the paranormal community. So when I'm talking about spirit possession, I'm not necessarily talking about, you know, evil spirits. Um, yeah. Going back to the kind of neuroscience of it, there's been relatively few um, neurophysiological studies of spirit possession. and Like through fMRI or something? So. Yeah, there's been yeah. fMRI scans, um, a few EEG studies and things like that. But if you think about it, like going back 20, 30 years, it would have been virtually impossible to do those kinds of studies um, mm-hmm. with people who, out in the field practicing their mediumship, you know, in, in their homes and things, because the equipment was too heavy and bulky. Um, so there was only limited studies in the 1980s and 90s and stuff. And only more recently, like coming into the 2000s, um, neuroscientists have been able to develop much smaller technology. So they've been able to actually do research with kind of like traditional um, mediumistic practices in places like Bali and, and things like that, where they can put the uh, the EEG onto the head of the of the medium while they go into their trance states and while they're possessed and then record the data. And the most interesting thing that comes out of all of this research is the suggestion that mediumship represents a kind of like a distinctive um, psychophysiological state. So when someone goes into their mediumistic trance, they're going into a very particular kind of trance state that's different from, say, uh, the kind of state that someone who's suffering from um, dissociative identity disorder or multiple personality disorder or schizophrenia goes into. So is it something be, that would be difficult to fake? It is something that would be very difficult to fake. Um, I mean, we, we can control over our neurophysiology to some extent, but you know, generally these, um, these neurophysiological changes are unconscious. So one example would be um, how, I can't remember the specific study, but they would get psychographers or kind of like automatic writers to, on the one hand, do their genuine um, automatic writing to go into their trance as they usually do. And then in another session, they would get them to imagine going into that trance. And then, you know, in another session, they would get them to imagine doing something completely different. And there are neuro distinctive neurophysiological differences uh, in terms of the, the activity in the brain, electrical activity and blood flow and all of these kinds of things associated with imagining that you're going into a trance and actually going into a trance. So it's not like they're pretending when they actually go in, when they go into their trance states, there are actual um, neurophysiological changes taking place, um, which you wouldn't, you know, you can't fake. And if they were pretending to, then it would show up as though they were pretending. 
you see what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it seems as though, based on the, the few neurophysiological studies that actually have been conducted, that, that mediumship is a, is a real thing, or at least it's, it's a real experience associated with real neurophysiological uh, changes. It doesn't say whether mediumship itself is real or whether there are actually spirits involved or any of that kind of thing, but it does suggest that when, when mediums go into their trances, we can be fairly certain that they're actually, you know, that the, the experiences they report and the, the things they claim are not, they're not lying to us. They, they have no reason to pretend um, that they are actually having some kind of a, a genuine experience. So therefore, if I go to the medium... And she says, I'm going to contact your Uncle Louie. And I did have an Uncle Louie. It was my father's brother. And they come back, and now she's getting contacts, hearing words from Uncle Louie. Mm-hmm. What is she hearing? <laughs> That's a good question as well. I mean, I can't give... Um, you could use the evidence from the voice that she's hearing to kind of build up a a clearer idea like if they're able to give um if, if they're able to give information that you can then go and independently verify then you might be able to demonstrate that that is the person that they're, they're claiming that it is your uncle louis but um it's very very tricky and especially when we start to bring in the possibility of psi and um, telepathy and psychokinesis and remote viewing it starts to become even more difficult to determine whether the communication is actually from a spirit because if we accept the possibility that um that psi is real then it's entirely possible that the medium is getting the accurate information from the mind of the person that they are doing a reading for that they might be getting the information from you know through remote viewing from some kind of um document stored somewhere or something so it becomes a really very tricky area and at the end of the day you have to kind of go with your, your gut instinct, I guess. And if you think that the medium is giving you accurate information that relates to the person that they're supposed to be communicating with. We're going to continue with that discussion. Gogs has a question that we'll all want to hear about. We're talking with Dr. Jack Hunter. The book is Engaging the Anomalous, fascinating compendium of essays. Guest co-host Gogs Mackay. You're in the Paracast. Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill a minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Classic science fiction at its best. Available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R O C K O I D S.com. 
I tried other brands, but I came back to my sunshine. For the best hot or cold pain relief, get the best. Get a Sunny Bay heating pad. Sometimes life can be a pain in the neck or back or shoulder. And the best relief for that pain is a Sunny Bay heating pad. Did you know that the American College of Physicians said that one of the best ways to treat muscle pain is heat therapy? Sunny Bay heating pads are handmade with high quality, can be used at home or at work, and have a lifetime 100% positive rating on both Amazon and Etsy. Why take another pill? Many people use our Sunny Bay heating pads alone and got rid of the neck pain. Long distance travel or long hours in front of a computer can take its toll on your body. Our homegrown small business tries to help people just like us. That's why we design and test our handmade products with great care before we introduce them to the public. You can easily find Sunny Bay heating pads on Amazon. Just go to Amazon.com and search for Sunny Bay heating pads. This is Dan Pilla. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement and I'm telling you, There's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpilla.com. This is a warning to all household pests, to all cockroaches, spiders, ants, mice, and rats. If you've made yourself at home in someone else's home, you'd better hope the owners never hear about Terminix. Because Terminix has the know-how and the means to do whatever it takes to remove you from that home. Terminix has 90 years of experience eliminating home invaders. And they make it easy for homeowners to be protected by offering a free pest estimate by calling 1-800-676-9879. Cockroaches, spiders, ants, mice, rats, and other pests. This is your last chance. With one call, Terminix will remove you from the home you've invaded. If you think you can simply come back later, think again. Terminix will never stop working to keep you out with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Pests. Wherever you are, I will find you. Pests, you've been warned. Homeowners are calling Terminix right now for a free pest estimate. 1-800-676-9879. 1-800-676-9879. 30-day money-back guarantee at participating locations. Limitations apply. See plan for details. Cancer categorizes over 100 diseases. Though we do not diagnose, treat, or cure cancer, GCN team is offering the Clemson University study where there was up to a 95% reduction in cancerous cells when exposed to a plant-derived mineral supplement. If you or a loved one are searching for answers to this horrifying disease, come to GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. We'll email you a copy for free. That's 877-878-4203. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Dr. Hunter, I wanted to pursue this more about the mediums and who or what they're contacting. So when they think they contacted my Uncle Louie, who did they contact, or is there someone out there who pretends to be Uncle Louie? Well, that's another good question. It could be another entity. If we look at the, the kind of like magical tradition, we're always told that we shouldn't really trust the spirits. And I guess this comes back to the, the George Hansen kind of trickster um, angle as well. We don't know that these spirits are necessarily who they claim to be. 
as I was saying before, there is information that we can get that can kind of lead us down particular routes so we can identify particular spirits. But at the same time, there's also the possibility that, that the medium is using some kind of innate psi uh, capacity and that there, there are actually no spirits involved at all and that the information that they're bringing forward is either coming from the mind of the person who's being read or from other, other sources. So it is very difficult to tell. And I wouldn't like to state with 100% certainty that they were talking to your Uncle Louis, but I would certainly be open to the possibility that they were. It's possible there that instead of contacting Uncle Louis or Uncle John or John Lennon or John Keel, they're reading your mind and getting a sense, not knowing they're reading your mind, of course, but getting a sense of the individual. And thus, they're capable then of coming up with information that may be close to the mark, or are they doing cold readings or a combination? Well, again, it's more likely to be a combination of all of these factors. I don't think that simple answers get us anywhere. It's going to be a combination of different factors. And if Psy is involved, for example, then there's likely to be some kind of Psy involved, even if we're talking about um, actual discarnate spirits. Because, I mean, how does a discarnate spirit communicate with a medium? There's going to be some, there's got to be some kind of a telepathic side communication going on there. Now, over the years in your exploration of the strange and unknown, have you met mediums that you feel have some kind of innate abilities that can be demonstrated repeatedly? Yeah, the mediums that I, I worked with, it's an interesting point, actually. The, the group that I worked with was a, a small private home circle uh, called the Bristol Spirit Lodge. And um, they weren't. You know, like we, we, when we think of mediums, uh, we might think of people who go up on the stage, for example, and they try and pick out someone in the audience and then they say, you know, I'm getting a J coming through. It wasn't like that kind of mediumship. They were doing trance mediumship and physical mediumship. So they would go into their altered states of consciousness and then spirits would communicate through their, their bodies and talk with the sitters. So it wasn't my goal and it wasn't their goal either to kind of provide definitive evidence that these spirits were who they claimed to be. What was more important was the kind of the relationship that was built up between the, the, these spirits and the, the circle. So they weren't, they weren't trying to prove that, for example, this spirit called Charlie was actually the spirit of a deceased Chinese monk. They were more interested in building up the dialogue and then eventually working towards the manifestation of um, a physical phenomena. So they were really interested in trying to produce ectoplasm, for example. And going back to your question, I think that they were genuinely getting into this state and that they weren't necessarily trying to pull the wool over anyone's eyes, that they were being honest in what they were telling us. They were being honest in, um, in their experience. Yeah, that so they did have kind of um, a dissociative mediumistic ability. Some kind, and it seemed to be innate for them as well. I mean, they did learn to develop the, this, this ability, but when, when I was talking to them, when I was interviewing them and trying to find out more about their backgrounds, it seemed as though they'd had these experiences throughout their lives and that it was through their joining this mediumship development circle that they were actually able to kind of um, take control over the experiences and then put them to use. I remember one really good example of one of the mediums that I talked to at the Lodge she used to have this experience when she was going into old houses or, you know, different kinds of places like that. 
where she would feel this very unpleasant feeling of something um, moving through her body. You know, it used to freak her out and make her re- really scared. Uh, and it wasn't until someone suggested, oh, maybe you're a medium, that she went and found this, this group and found out that these kinds of experiences are really common amongst developing mediums. And eventually she learned that this feeling was just the initial onset stages of her mediumistic trance. She learned to control it and to develop it. And then eventually she became um, a fully fledged trance medium. So there is an, an, an innate ability in people, but it can also be developed. That's another point that we should probably bring up about this mediumship group is that they were pretty dedicated to what they were doing. Um, they were meeting once, twice, maybe three times a week doing seances, you know, and they're still doing it now, um, developing their mediumship. With, there's no money involved. They're not interested in um, improving their abilities to anyone other than, you know, to themselves and to the people who are a part of the group. So it was a really, it was a really interesting experience. And I was really lucky to find this group uh, to work with. Do you find at all any evidence that uh, some of these alleged mediums are actually just putting the wool over our eyes and doing the cold reading scene? Certainly there are people who, who do that. When we start to talk about, when we start to think about physical mediumship, producing ectoplasm and things moving around the room and stuff, the, um, the tendency or the, the kind of um, the desire to, to trick people seems to become a lot stronger. But um, the, I actually have a chapter in this Engaging the Anomalous book about the issue of fraud and performance in mediumship. And I think there's a real strong connection between, you know, kind of fake phenomena and genuine phenomena. And it has a lot to do with the kind of like our, our belief in the moment. So there was a, a really interesting piece of research by a, a parapsychologist called Kenneth Batcheldor, and he wanted to kind of do like laboratory experiments on kind of traditional spiritualist table tipping um, activities. And he found that if he introduced a fake phenomenon, so if he, if he like nudged the table early on in the experiment, that would lead people into a kind of a more open, accepting kind of frame. It would boost their instant belief in the possibility that spirits could move tables and then genuine phenomena would happen afterwards. There seems to be a connection between performance, the possibility of fraud, then the manifestation of genuine phenomena, which is a, which is a really interesting one. And I think you know, a lot of people have a tendency to throw the baby out with the bathwater when they hear that uh, a medium has been found you know, doing some kind of fraudulent activity. That doesn't necessarily negate all of their phenomena. There's a really good example from the history of psychical research of the medium uh, Eusapia Palladino was one of the most kind of prominent mediums of the Victorian era. And even though she was caught on multiple occasions, like red-handed doing these dodgy acts and, uh, you know, moving things herself, at the same time, many, many, many highly respected researchers, scientists and all sorts of people, nevertheless claimed that during her seances, they'd witnessed things that they couldn't explain. So especially when we're talking about physical mediumship, there seems to be a connection between fraud, trickery, and also genuine paranormal uh, manifestations. I think that's something that needs a little bit of, a bit more research as well. We're going to continue. We've got more to come with Gene Goggs and Jack. You're in the podcast. Thank you for listening to GCN. 
Visit GCNlive.com today. Frustrated trying to get business capital? Want to take the slow process and rejection out of the equation? GCNloans.com removes the slow, irritating approval process. Instead, get quick, simple funding. Powered by David Allen Capital, 80% of our pre-qualified clients are approved in days. Pre-qualify at GCNloans.com and get your money this week. It's that easy. GCNloans.com. That's GCNloans.com. Get the ultimate knife at an ultimate price. The Fox Karambit Knife. Finally available in the U.S. The Fox Karambit Knife opens with one hand. Faster than you can pull a handgun. For utility, for defense, and for way less than other knives of this caliber. Go to TheUltimateKnife.com. Truly the best knife you will ever own. And only available at TheUltimateKnife.com. Use promo code RADIO at checkout for free shipping. Get the ultimate knife at the ultimate price. At TheUltimateKnife.com. For USA Radio News, I'm Wendy King. South Korean President Moon Jae-in held a surprise second meeting with North Korean leader Kim Jong-un in an apparent move to convince Kim to hold his scheduled summit with President Trump in June. The meeting between Moon and Kim, which was held in the DMZ, attempted to revamp the on-again, off-again summit between Trump and Kim. After canceling the summit on Thursday, President Trump hinted on Friday it could take place on June 12th in Singapore as planned. Now we'll see what happens. It could even be the 12th. We're talking to them now. Behind-the-scenes planning for what would be a historic meeting continues as all parties are now speaking again. A team of White House staffers is said to begin laying groundwork this weekend. South Korea's president had said Trump's decision to cancel the planned summit left him perplexed. You're listening to USA Radio News. If you're 85 or younger, would you like peace of mind and comfort for your family? We're Final Expense Direct with an urgent message for you. The average funeral today costs over $8,000, but the most you'll get from government benefits is $255. How will your family pay the difference? We can help. Our senior plans start as low as just a dollar a day and pay up to $30,000 for a funeral and other final expenses. Peace of mind is easy. There's no medical exam. You'll have lifetime coverage, and your plan can't be canceled as long as you pay your premiums. Call now for free information about our senior plans. Answer a few simple questions and receive approval right on the phone. Plus, call right now and we'll give you a discount prescription card for free. Call 800-561-5716. That's 800-561-5716. Again, 800-561-5716. It's been said, any society is only three missed meals away from chaos. Those times may be near. Think about it. Our country faces multiple terrorist threats and aggressions from Russia and North Korea. Social unrest and violent marches yet again may lead to looting of stores and city shutdowns. And our crumbling infrastructure leaves our power grid vulnerable to long-term outages from a single cyber attack. When the chaos from any one of these threats arises, the government knows it can't provide during a widespread national emergency. That's why you need your own plan for self-reliance. That's where My Patriot Supply comes in. 
Get a four-week survival food supply for only $99. That includes breakfast, lunches, and dinners. Order online at preparewithgcn.com. $99 for four weeks of survival food that tastes like homemade cooking and lasts up to 25 years from My Patriot Supply. Get your kits today at preparewithgcn.com. Free shipping is included. Preparewithgcn.com. This is Robert Hastings, author of UFOs and Nukes, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. We've got Dr. Jack Hunter, Gogs McKay's guest co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg, and I'd very much like to bring on someone who is a medium onto the Paracast to give it a try. Now, we've had some people here to claim to have different psychic abilities. And they gave me a couple of readings, and maybe or maybe they didn't come up with anything that had any value. I was also outfitted here with something called a wishing machine or Hieronymus box. Dr. Hunter, ever hear of one of those? No, I haven't. All right, supposedly you set up this box and a bunch of dials that you turn until you feel some kind of vibe. And I felt that, or maybe it was my imagination. And you write down a request. And that request supposedly will be what you're looking for or hoping to do. And then you set the thing up, you plug it in, it draws power, I don't know for what purpose. And supposedly, over time, if it works, that wish will come true. It sounds almost like an electronic genie. I can't say that I had more than a very casual experience with it. I can't say that it was positive because I had it in my home while I was faced with losing that home. So I can't say it was positive, even though I wish for nice things. Is it possible? What about dreams or wishes, wish fulfillment? Is there something that is available under these experiences that you have or report? Again, it's some, I wouldn't rule out the possibility. If we look at the psi experiments in the lab, and I mean, Dean Radin's research would be a, a good kind of tie-in with all of this stuff. It does seem as though we can, you know, under certain circumstances, you know, whether that's, you know, in altered states of consciousness or in ritual conditions or even occasionally in parapsychological experiments as well, it does seem as though we can exert some kind of a, a mental influence on the outside world. Uh, and actually, perhaps this is where we, we're beginning to see that there isn't actually or that the outside world is kind of relate is kind of connected to our inside world. Whatever whatever the ultimate ontology is, it does seem as though occasionally influence the stuff that goes on seemingly out there. I wouldn't say that it was impossible that a an electronic genie <laughs> could possibly work. I mean it's you know it's one of those things, isn't it? You have to experiment with it and see if it if it works for you. Yeah, it's really interesting. Well the other question would be logically it's reality, reality. Are we seeing what's really there or are we sitting in little pods connected to a computer that creates our reality for better or worse? Yeah, yeah, we could be. Or we could be dealing with something that's much more kind of um, organic. And maybe we're not in pods, but we are still, in some sense, creating our own reality or um, in some way, reality is the kind of like a, 
the end result of our interactions with something that's out there. I mean, the possibilities really are endless, and I don't think that we we've settled on a, a definitive way of thinking about these things yet. It's definitely a lot more research and a lot more philosophizing that needs to be done. But I think actually it's really exciting, and it's really good that we can we're beginning to have these kinds of conversations. We're beginning to take seriously the possibility that reality is far stranger and far weirder than um, you know than that our our dominant models have, have, have generally allowed for. Well, certainly is a weird world out there, and maybe the world is whatever we wish it to be. And it'd be nice, though, if we were able to change our reality a little bit. What about things like paranormal events that may be emerging from other dimensional portals? Well, there we go. It's another possibility, isn't it? It's entirely possible that there are parallel worlds. So, actually, I was listening to something yesterday. I can't remember what it was, but they were saying how... Um, it's not good to think in terms of parallel worlds because parallel worlds never interact. If you look at two parallel lines, well, they're always in parallel and they, nev- they never cross. So it seems as though when we talk about these other worlds, we're talking about something that actually can interact with us. So it's not parallel, it's kind of um, intercepting with our world. There is some kind of an interaction there. And I think that's what comes across when we look at things like mediumship and shamanism and all of these different kinds of um, spirit communication we're not talking about parallel worlds that never meet each other we're talking about worlds that are constantly bumping up against each other that are constantly influencing each other in different kinds of ways so yeah i think it's possible but maybe parallel is not the word that we we should be using (laughs) well speaking before of our concept of reality if the reality we have especially paranormal events is in part contributed by us. Yeah. Can we control that? You know, if I don't want to see, for example, a ghost, and I really want to see a blonde Venusian or whatever, yeah. can I create the difference? Well, again, there's a lot of anecdotal evidence that that seems to be possible. And thinking about UFOs and all of that, we know that people like uh, John Keel, again, they talked about how our beliefs and things influence the way that we experience the world. So the people who saw UFOs in the 1897, you know, airship flaps were seeing kind of like big blimps, you know, like um, were airships, kind of like made of wood and things, because that was their frame of reference for understanding and interpreting um, anomalous phenomena. And then by the time we get to the 1950s, when people are thinking about the space race and the the satellites and Sputnik and all of that stuff, all of a sudden the anomalous um, aerial phenomena, you know, shiny silver disks and things. So who knows what they're going to be in the future? It goes back to that idea again of with, with Jacques Vallée that in the medieval times, the, the culture that they had and the beliefs that they had shaped their experience of these things so that we were, you know, they were dealing with fairies and elves and, and goblins. So yeah, I think that we can influence that outside world in fact i think that we're constantly influencing that outside world or at least we're constantly affecting our experience of the outside world but i wouldn't want to say that there is no outside world 100 percent. i don't think <laughs> i think there is an element that is unpredictable you know that, that, that there is another mind out there that we're interacting with in some way that has its own agency and its own intention uh, that there is this other kind of mind that we are interacting with that is independent of us, but also that we 
we kind of um, feed into that it manifests itself to us according to the way that we want to perceive it. What's your perception about all these realities, Gogs? Well, I suppose um, what I find interesting, intriguing, is why is it seems to be that um, I understand the point about we we perceive certain things depending on you know what our own makeup and and stuff is, but what is it about the people? who seem to have experiences in the first place compared to those who do not. I mean, I wonder if there's, because uh, I certainly do not think that everyone who reports an abduction or a ghost sighting or Bigfoot or whatever, I, I certainly don't believe that they, they are all delusional or they're all making it up. And what's even weirder is you get some people who seem to have a multitude of experiences of various different kinds. And again, I, I don't think they're all making it up. So the, it, it's like what what is it? What on earth is it that marks some people out as um, like receptive to experiences and others not? Because I've always thought that let's um, there are certain places in uh, amongst the kind of the ghost hunting fraternity that are. Uh, locations that are known to be you know pretty uh you know haunted pretty severely and not only that probably by some quite negative kind of uh happenings or entities and i've always thought well if there are all these uh scientists and skeptics out there that are completely dismissive of even the possibility of ghosts and stuff i think well hey let's put them to the challenge. Let's let them go to these places alone at night uh, with a Ouija board and to try and summon demons or something. we got more to come with Gogs, Dr. Hunter and Jean. You're in the podcast. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. As you know, neighbors, web hosting can be pretty cheap, but not all hosting is the same. DreamHost wins best of awards year after year. You get unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, and even the low-cost plans put your sites on high-performance SSDs. Want to know more about what DreamHost has to offer? Go to technightowl.com host. Once again, that's technightowl.com host. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Healthcare reform is confusing. With the loss of the Obamacare mandate, those needing help can now choose an affordable alternative. By joining Liberty HealthShare, you're part of a community of health-conscious Americans all over the country who control their own healthcare costs and choices. Liberty HealthShare is not insurance. It is an association of self-pay patients who unite with like-minded people to share the cost of their medical needs. Neighbor helping neighbor. Learn more now by going to libertyoncall.org. That's libertyoncall.org. Bacon lovers, we ship free. 
Try our amazing bacon. No refrigeration required. Proprietary value-added packaging provides 10-year shelf life and protects the leanest, thickest, center-cut, fully-cooked bacon in America today. Ready to eat right from the pouch or warm and serve. Savory and delicious. Wholesale price for your everyday use. Order today at readytoeatbacon.com. Readytoeatbacon.com. Want revenge on the common housefly? Well, after 10,000 years, someone has finally come up with a better way. The Bug Assault, a miniaturized shotgun, which utilizes ordinary table salt as ammunition. Non-toxic and no batteries required. So much fun, you'll forget you have a wife and kids. $39.95 and free economy shipping. Use discount code GCN and get an extra 10% off your purchase at BugAssault.com. Fire your fly swatter. Get your Bug Assault today. Shipping and processing. Return postage extra. Auto ship at other terms apply. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Why does my hair look so old and thin? Ladies, if your thinning, damaged hair is making you look older, then you must hear this message from Karenique, the number one women's hair regrowth system in America and the bestseller at Ulta stores nationwide that's clinically proven to thicken, strengthen, and repair hair. Right now, Karenique is letting one million women try Karenique risk-free through this special radio offer. That's right. To try the number one hair regrowth system for women, just dial star star 646 on your mobile phone to try Karenique risk-free for a full 30 days. Karenique is so popular, a new woman tries it every minute. The Karenique hair regrowth treatment contains the only FDA-approved ingredient clinically proven to regrow women's hair. You'll even see thicker, fuller results right away, guaranteed. So dial star star 646 on your mobile phone right now to start regrowing the thicker, fuller hair you love. Dial star star 646 to try Karenique for yourself risk-free. Hurry, this offer will not last long. Dial star star and the number 646. Dial star star 646. It's a no-brainer. A Big Berkey water filter is the one you need, period. You need a water filter that removes chlorine, fluoride, pharmaceuticals, BPA, and other endocrine disruptors, pesticides, bacteria, viruses, and much more, right? And does it all at only two cents per gallon. Get the original most trusted name in gravity water filtration, Big Berkey. And now GCN listeners receive 5% off ceramic filter systems using code GCN. Call or click 1-877-99-BERKEY or BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. That's 1-877-99-BERKEY. This is Jerome Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast. Our final segment with the author of Engaging the Anomalous Set of Essays from Dr. Jack Hunter, Gogs McKay as our guest co-host. And was bringing up all these fascinating possibilities of things that are going on. What about haunted houses, Dr. Hunter? Yeah, well, haunted houses are they're probably one of the oldest one of the oldest kind of paranormal experiences, I think. There's um, a historian of religions called Rudolf Otto, and he he was the guy who came up with this term, the numinous, and he suggested that the experience of, of haunted houses, um, you know, the kind of the fear and the terror and all of those kinds of things um, is kind of like one of the earliest religious experiences that, that human beings have had, that it's a part of something that's very deep and very primal within us. And again, I, I, I'm thinking now in terms of, of haunted houses and um, kind of like window areas and haunted landscapes and stuff and about what that can tell us about our relationship with our own environments, with our ecology as well. 
that perhaps there are certain areas where communication between these different worlds that we've been talking about are easier to, you know, to achieve and, and all of that kind of thing. So, yeah, I think haunted house phenomenon is particularly interesting because it is so located in a particular, you know, in a particular area. And ghosts have been part of, you know, a human mythology for so long that I have to, I have to think as well that just even the concept of hoaxing is probably relatively new. So all the, you know, ancient experiences that were reported of, of ghostly entities and stuff. And I mean, I obviously understand that human beings have sense of humour and there's no reason to think that 3,000 years ago, one man may have gone boo to his friend coming <laughs> around the corner trying to scare him. Yeah, I'm not saying that that hasn't happened, but the pervasiveness of this idea of spirits haunting places, it's just everywhere in every culture. And people could say, well, maybe it's just uh, just like all human civilizations have art. We've got uh, literature, uh, you know, things like that. We've got, uh, you know, militaristic uh, tendencies and stuff. So maybe ghosts, this, uh, you know, everyone thinks uh, about, oh, is there an afterlife? Is there a God? You know, are there other intelligence living everywhere and maybe you could argue well ghosts are just a manifestation of the 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 need for humans to try and understand that there will be something after physical death but i don't think that is enough of a reason to explain the the plethora the dissaturation of all cultures of having uh, the idea of, of ghosts and stuff I'll give you another quick for instance when I was saying earlier that you could talk to almost anyone and ask them about uh, have you ever had a weird experience and if they haven't had one themselves they certainly will know someone who has I'll just give you a for instance I was on a course and it just so happened that there were some gamekeepers at this course we were outside I was outside vaping and there were some guys smoking and I happened to overhear the teacher this chemistry professor and he was having an informal chat with one of the gamekeepers and these gamekeepers are gamekeepers at you can look up online a castle called Fivey Castle in northeast Scotland a beautiful castle and I overheard them and I, I literally kind of walked up and say sorry I couldn't help overhearing but I heard you talking about ghosts and they're like, yeah, yeah, come in. Turns out this Fivey Castle has got a, a very long history of a, an apparition that's sighted and she's nicknamed the Green Lady and she's always seen in the same place. Well, anyway, this gamekeeper who, who obviously has working dogs and these dogs are not treated like pets and, you know, they don't jump up in the bed at home and stuff. These are working dogs and they've got a very different kind of function in the dog world than pets. The gamekeeper said, you know, I don't know what I think about ghosts. He goes, but the weirdest thing is every time when I'm going round the castle, every time we go near that window where the green ladies reported the dog stops, sits down and stares at the window. He goes, I can't see anything. I can't feel anything. He goes, but it happens time and time again. That's the only place it ever happens. So it's just so strange when you get somebody who's not into ghosts and whatever, but he's saying, 
well, I've got my own little bit to add to this, which kind of I can't make you know a sense of. Just little things like that have been going on for so long. There has to be something to it. I don't know if it's spirits of dead people that are caught and jammed and they can't move on to the next thing. But I, I do. I've seen an apparition. Simple as that. Is it the conscious kind of uh, physical representation of a soul that's still earthbound? Who knows? But I've certainly seen an apparition. Well, I mean, yeah, people do have these experiences. And I think that's the takeaway of this whole conversation is that weird things do seem to happen. We still don't know what's actually going on as much as the kind of like the hardcore materialist scientists and the skeptics and all of those guys would like to think that they've already sorted it all out. They really, uh, there's, there's still a lot more research to be done. So my hope is with this book, Engaging the Anomalous, is that it will encourage other researchers to go out and think about these things from, um, you know, from different perspectives, trying to open up new possibilities, new ways of thinking about the paranormal and new methods of researching it, because it's only through engaging with the anomalous that we're going to you know, move towards any kind of an understanding of what's really going on. Does the fact that so many people regard this primarily as entertainment, does that hurt? getting the serious research done? Um, it can do, yeah. But at the same time, you know, the, the fact that so many people consider it entertainment um, suggests that it is meaningful to people, that they are interested in it and that they want to, you know, they want to engage with it, even if it is from the comfort of their own homes. So, yeah, it's, it's damaging in one sense, but in the other sense, it shows that people are interested in it. It's a perennial interest that people keep returning to. Maybe there is an innate imperative to find out more about it. Yeah, there is. There's an innate fascination that we seem to have, um, you know, to do with all of these kinds of these things that go beyond our everyday experience of the world. The more we learn about, uh, you know, quantum mechanics, the ins and outs of quantum mechanics are so strange that, you know, uh, ghostly stuff and what have you doesn't even seem that weird in comparison. Yeah. Exactly. It just points to the fact that this weirdness goes all the way down. It's not just on the surface in the human world. It goes way down, way down, way down into the quantum and beyond. And maybe my dog Teddy Bear is seeing ghosts. We'll have to ask him when he starts barking at things you can't see. Then again, if he gives an answer, we'll have the most valuable dog on the planet. Dr. Jack Hunter, please tell our listeners if they want to know more about you. Is there a site they can go to? Well, you can find out a little bit more about me from my journal, Paranthropology. So if you search for Paranthropology on the internet, on Google, you'll be able to find it easy enough. And I also have my personal website, which is jack-hunter.webstarts.com. And that's where I upload all of my um, articles and various podcasts and things. So that's the place to go if you want to find out more about my work. You can find us on the Paracast on Twitter. That's the Paracast on Twitter. Look for two Paracast fan clubs on Facebook. Isn't that exciting? Not one, but two. We have a second radio show called The Tech Night Owl Live. You can go to technightowl.com slash radio to learn more about our consumer-oriented show. We also have the After the Paracast podcast, and it's available only if you subscribe to the Paracast Plus. It's a special service where we also offer 
a version of this show that answers those who say, why so many ads? We, with permission of the network, remove them, give you better quality audio. You get that after the Paracast for a low price, $1.49 a week, $4.99 a month, special prices for a year, five years, or lifetime. And we've been here for now, I don't know, 12 and a half years. We're not going anywhere despite all the craziness in the online world. Check out plus.theparacast.com for information, sign-up links, and all the other goodies. You have to be a member of the forum, though, to sign up, okay? Just let you know that. Dr. Jack Hunter, thank you for joining us on The Paracast. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. The Paracast. Featuring Gene Steinberg and Christopher O'Brien is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast.